in a world where two podcasters are sick and tired of doing episode reviews. Back to back to back. In brightest day, in blackest night, no evil shall escape my sight. Let those who worship evil's might beware my power. Green Lantern's light. Pretty cool, huh? Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bokelman. And I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 177, otherwise known as Mark and Chad Go to the Movies. In a world. (laughs) (laughs) In a world where two podcasters are sick and tired of doing episode reviews. Back to back to back. (laughs) And after a little break, more back to back. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Um,. So, so here's the idea, guys. I know that you um, were, a lot of you were kind of upset that, you know, we let the current issue reviews slide for a little while and, you know, everything. But um, other than the first episode, Mark and I have basically been going, uh, what, five, six episodes? Um, no, six episodes. Uh, back to back to back to back to back. Wait, seven, right? Because we had, hold on. 170, 171. No. I think it's, it's six, isn't it? Because yeah. yeah, we, we, we had four, <clears throat> four episodes in which we did three issues each of the other titles. And then we had The Villains Month, oh. and then we had Lights Out. So we had 170, 171, 172, 173, 174, 175, and this is and then 176. We've had, uh, what, six? Six reviews. We've had seven, seven episodes, but one of them wasn't, the yeah. first one we did was an issue, wasn't right. uh, issue reviews. All right, so six review episodes back-to-back. Um, each episode had at least four issues, uh, no, at least three issues uh, covered in it. So we've we've done a lot of review episodes. I know we're not a hundred percent caught up, but we're pretty we're, we're pretty well caught up, and I think we deserve a break. So <clears throat> the idea for this this episode and the next episode, uh, and and I just kind of threw it out there, and Mark Mark agreed, and he he had an idea uh, was basically Mark picks a topic, we'll go with it, and then I'll pick a topic, and we'll go with it. Uh, so this episode, it's Mark's idea, and uh, Mark, why, why don't you tell him what, uh, what your uh, your idea was here? Well, what my idea was, and for people who don't know, and hopefully you, you will know from now on, that I'm a big movie guy, really big movie guy. I le- I'm really interested in movies and the whole shebang, from the writing to, to, to directing to release schedules, everything, marketing, I'm really into that sort of stuff. So my idea was when we th- – actually, Chad and I threw, around a, threw out a few ideas of, ha- of a movie-related episode, but what we finally decided upon that we were going to basically use this episode as our 2014 movie preview, not just summer movies, even though probably a lot of them will be in the first half of the year, but still – that we're going to basically go through and come up with a top five list of movies that both Chad and I are looking forward to. Each one of us will have our own list. We're going to mention some movies that we're, we also have an interest in seeing, 
but not necessarily, you know, they, but they didn't quite make the top five. And then we're going to also mention some movies that as we so eloquently or as I eloquently like to refer to it as the, the movies that we could give three pounds of monkey crap that are coming out in 2014 <laughs> and may not even watch when they're on Netflix. So so we will probably throw in a few of those. And as we enter our discussions, ironically enough, I'm there'll be a few I'm sure by law of average, there'll be a few episodes, a few uh, topics, a few movies that will conflict in our list that one will be looking forward to when one won't. So, yeah. And so this is good. And, and I'm going to throw a wrench in the whole works uh, because I'm just going to throw this out here now, like a total tangent. I've been watching Doctor Who <laughs> and I just finished watching an episode a little bit ago while I was eating dinner. And it, it occurred to me, why the hell doesn't the sonic screwdriver have some sort of, like, summons button for the TARDIS? Because it seems like every five minutes the Doctor is getting separated from the TARDIS, whether it drops down into hell or he gets teleported to the moon in a hospital and the TARDIS is still on Earth. It's all He's always getting separated from the TARDIS. If the thing can scan stuff and open things, why can't it just summon the TARDIS? Uh, whatever. It's a good point. That's a very good point. I have to mention that to Liz since, since she has been watching – my be- beloved wife has been watching Doctor Who relentlessly and endlessly for the last like two weeks now. Yeah. I think we're, we're finally we're, – she's, she's gone all the way from – in the new in the new series all the way. She's in the first part of season seven now, so she's getting to the point of being caught up. So Yeah, I've watched the first season of Matt Smith, and I've watched the first season of David Tennant. And for those of you who just heard me mention getting transported in a hospital to the moon, I've obviously watched the first episode of the second season of David Tennant. So the uh, that's that's where I'm at. Uh, I started with Matt Smith. People started freaking out about me online that I didn't start with David Tennant. So after I watched the first season and decided I it was I you know I'm enjoying Doctor Who, I went ahead and downloaded three seasons worth of David Tennant. So everybody, calm down. I am watching it. <clears throat> but whatever. So moving on. And, and I have to admit that, that he's based on the episode. I've watched a, a bunch of episodes with Liz, and I've seen episodes with of all the doctors since they've you know in the new in the new series. And I I agree that David Tennant so far is is my favorite. Uh, Matt Smith has said he's had some good episodes. I've but I like maybe because David Tennant was doing it longer in this than maybe. But there was something about the way he was playing that character. That role, that character that I like, uh, Matt Smith is, grow- was, is growing on me as I watch more epi- as I watch more episodes. But the companions are hot. <laughs> Rose, hot. And yes, I like I like Rose. Amy Pond, hot. <laughs> yes, Whoever- Amy Pond too. And I and I got for some reason I did a quiz and there was one of those endless Facebook quizzes that have been popping up about this and that. And I did one who which companion are you? And I ended up with Clara. <laughs> and uh, I don't know who this new girl is that just showed up in this first episode of the second uh, season of David Tennant, um, but she's pretty hot, so I don't know. Uh, but anyways, uh, so now that we're done talking about hot companions... Uh, <laughs> uh, there can never be enough talk about hot companions. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, so... Uh, um, so yeah, top five list. Uh, I guess we're going to start with five and work our way to number one. Uh, I don't know how we're going to go about talking about them, but yeah, sure. Uh, uh, since it was your idea, why don't you kick us off, Mark? And I was going to let you go, but I will go. <laughs> okay, so 
there was a slight adjustment on my list because I know there was one that Chad had. So it, I actually we end up having one of each other's. So common thread. So we divvied them up. I have one. I kept one. He kept one. So number five, I threw on the list, which was kind of an odd choice, but I was look. I just was something that the top, the idea behind it sounds interesting to me. Was I picked? I picked Ridley Scott's Exodus, which doesn't come out till December twelfth of. 2014, mm-hmm. which basically will be his version of the whole Moses Pharaoh parting of the Red Sea, yada yada. That the whole Moses story, which mm-hmm. I believe Christian Bale. I think Christian Bale is Moses, I believe, but I know he's in the movie regardless. Of, but the, the big year for uh, biblical movies. Too, yeah, you so. got you've got Noah, you've got Exodus, and you've got uh, Son of God. Uh, and one of the ones that's on my uh, movies I'm interested in list, uh, Left Behind, is getting. Uh... Now they made they made a Left Behind movie uh, early 2000s, I think, something like that, like a low budget version of Left Behind. But I think this like this new Left Behind movie has like Nicolas Cage and some other people in it. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of religious related movies coming out. And the, and Exodus is timed well because you figure some of those. Any any one of those movies would be good to release around Christmas time. So obviously Exodus is going to be the the big one. Uh, Noah is also on my interested list because the trailers make it look really good. I mean, yeah. it, it makes it look interesting the way they're taking. I'm not the way the approach that they're taking. I'm not sure. Even though I like the look, I'm not sure how they really can can explain Noah with the shaved head <laughs> kind of look. But <laughs> but I I thought it was. I think the trailer makes it look. The trailer makes it look good and that's an aronofsky movie too so that should be that should be an interesting the, the trailer for noah yeah is there a trailer out yet for exodus no okay. i do not believe so well I, I'm, I'm gonna say it now before we get too far into these lists i don't watch a lot of tv and by that i mean as it airs on tv like what i do is you know to keep up with my episodes and my tv shows is i go and download it later on and, and and catch up that way so as far as live tv and everything goes i don't watch really any live tv at all so i don't see commercials and therefore i don't see movie trailers um so if there are trailers out for some things uh, i don't know about it unless i actively go find them so that's i might ask you a couple different times has there been a trailer out for that yet uh so that so that's that's why and Noah also comes out relatively soon. Noah is a 328 release, yeah. so there'll be more and more TV commercials for it. But I've seen the trailer in the movies uh, several times recently. So it, it. But Exodus, I, I've, um, the Ten Commandments. When I when I was growing up, I used to when they used to play that all the time on ABC around Easter time. My grandmother used to watch that movie all the time, and I always liked that movie. I, with Charlton Heston and Yul Brenner, so I always have have very fond memories of that movie, let alone the story, because it's a pretty cool story to begin with. So I I'm looking forward to I think Ridley Scott's version should be interesting, and Christian Bale's pretty good in anything. So yeah, so. Um, yeah, that would be cool. Ten what was it? It's Ten Commandments, and there was another one, and I I'm gonna kick myself in the freaking head uh, for not knowing the name of this off the top of my head. It's the one um, with a, the old movie with the chariots in it. The Ben Hur. Yes, uh, uh, Ten Commandments and Ben Hur and like those movies. Yeah, those are popular among uh, some of the older older folks in my family for sure. Uh, but yeah, those were like the the days of the epics, you know, the Cecil B. DeMille epics and things like that. So those were, and I always and the special effects, even considering 
at that time were pretty impressive, even for uh, Ten Commandments. But it was yeah. a, it was, it was a. So I'm, yeah, I'm definitely interested in that. It was, it was, it was tough. I, <clears throat> I almost threw The Hobbit in as number five, only because now that I, I was, I was never gung ho to see either one of the first two. But now that you know, now that we're getting to the end. I'm kind of, you know, I am interested in seeing the third one, but that didn't quite make the list either. So, yeah, so uh, the ex, ex, Exodus, uh, Exodus, Noah, maybe Son of God, if I see stuff more about it, but that one seems more like a uh, kind of like a an, an indie kind of release, like a right. like it's being funded by maybe a a, a, a de- certain denomination of a church or something like that, which isn't to, which isn't to say it's bad. It's just that both Exodus. Uh, uh, and Noah, and it looks like Left Behind are all almost, you know, if not completely, then definitely, you know, partly um, Hollywood big budget movies. And I, you know, I was raised Christian. I still consider myself to some extent a Christian. So I, I do have an interest in seeing all of that. Plus, you know, even if you're not, it looks like, you know, Parting of the Red Sea or Giant Flood or, you know, the. The, the plagues that uh, on Egypt or whatever, all of that's crazy awesome special effects. So you got to sure the the, vi- the visualization of, of all those things, especially in the mo- in modern cinema, should be pretty pretty impressive. And I thought as soon as you said it, that Left Behind sounded familiar. Then I then I kind of remember that it was that's that's the Kirk Cameron stuff, right? Those yeah, Kirk he, he did. Yeah, right. Yeah, Kirk Cameron was in those a long time ago. Um, Left Behind was a series of books. I think like twelve novels about. Um, Oh, what was it? I think it's Baptist, Evangelical Baptist. That might be. I, I could be wrong there. Um, basically, their interpretation of what the rapture would be like. You know, people getting taken up into heaven. What happens to people? The the non the quote unquote non believers who are left behind. All the you know, which is where the whole thing gets its name. I read it at the time, um, more as fiction. Like the I read all all twelve books more as fiction than anything um, because, you know, I grew up LCMS Lutheran. Um, so that particular interpretation of Revelation really wasn't something that, you know, they taught us, but I still right. thought it was, like, kind of cool. There were a lot of, you know, cool things in there. But uh, anyways, uh, so my number five, taking a complete divergence from yours, um, my number five uh, was going to be something that Mark will mention later on, and we'll, well, I'll, I'll say it so, uh, later on. And it actually wasn't even on my movies I'm interested in list for some reason, but it was kind of hanging in the back of my mind when I was going through lists. And it's uh, an animated movie, Mr. Peabody and Sherman. Um, Mr. Peabody and Sherman, for those of you who remember, is an old cartoon, uh, and I can't remember if it was a comic strip before it was a cartoon, but definitely a cartoon. Um, with uh, this talking scientific dog and uh, and his his person or whatever, uh, taking trips through. I don't know if they were taking trips or if they. Were, I, I can't. It, it, my my memory of it is fuzzy. I, I don't know if they're like going through time or just looking back in time. And you know, basically, Mister Peabody was teaching Sherman about history and stuff like that. Do you remember? I don't remember what the difference was. I know, I know. Obviously, I do remember them traveling through time, and I do remember it was part of um, you know the whole Rocky and Bullwinkle. Yeah, yeah. And part of that show. Yeah. Um, I'm just looking. I got. I just pulled up a list of segments. 
So they had a lot. It looks like they were mostly traveling, and they must have just been traveling back in time. Yeah. Because they were all they were all dealing with historical figures and historical events. Yeah. So that must that must have been the gist of the whole thing. Hey, Napoleon was episode one. Yeah. You, Segment one. Um, there was a lot of um historical learning type. It kind of, I don't know why, but it kind of reminded me of Schoolhouse Rock in some ways. Um, but. Probably was for a day when you really think about it. it yeah, that's was. true. Um, Mr. Peabody and Sherman was this was it? You know how like uh, Snagglepuss and um, some of those other cartoons were related to Hanna Barbera. Well, you had Rocky and Bullwinkle, and they had their own kind of universe of characters. Um, who was the uh, the Mountie guy? Dudley Do Right. Dudley Do Right. Yeah, there you go. Dudley Do Right. Uh, Mr. Peabody and Sherman. What else? Um, I want to say Boris and Natasha, but they were part of Rocky and Bullwinkle. Yeah, they were. Um, um, there's one I think, but I, I'm not. Let me let me see if I can. Rocky. Yeah, the one I I definitely remember Dudley Do Right because yeah. I actually when I was a kid I actually had Dudley Do Right sheets, ironically, bed sheets. Yeah, but Mr. Mr. Peabody and Sherman were part of that that universe of characters, um, and it looks like it, it's it's in the it's in the uh, like three D animated style, like you know, like the Pixar type of stuff. But I don't think it's made by Pixar. Um, I know that um, is it. It's got to be IDW. It's not Boom. Uh, I think IDW is putting out some Mr. Peabody and Sherman comics right now. That are I don't know if they're tie-ins to the movie, but they're kind of you know to get the name out there and get people geared up for the movie type of thing. So yeah, definitely I'm I'm definitely looking forward to it. It's kind of like on the back the back burner. Um, it's kind of one of those like I'm if you know I, I'm probably going to see it, but if I start hearing people are like oh my god it's so good I'm gonna be I'm gonna like definitely definitely go see it. All I need is a couple of friends to just go, wow, dude, that was that was actually pretty good. I enjoyed it more than I thought, and I'll be like, yep, definitely going to go see it. <laughs> so. I, I have fond memories of of the cartoon, I, and, I, and I always liked the Rocky and Bullwinkle show. I always liked and I did, you know, Natasha and Boris and Dudley Do-Right. They actually had fractured fairy tales, too. That was another. Yeah, that's right. I remember that. That was another major component of that. That's Oh, Tennessee Tuxedo. I remember him. Yeah, the Penguin. Yep, 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 yep. That that was the one I was I couldn't. It was on the tip of my tongue. I couldn't. I, um, the only the only thing you worry about, I mean, as far as from a from a box office point of view, is how popular the uh, that remains and how fresh in people's minds that you know it's not the most well known probably of of the fifties and sixties animated stuff. So true. That's true. So that's, that's about the only thing you would from, from an, you know, from a marketing and you know, from a more, from a studio point of view, you wonder if that's gonna, but they are releasing it probably at a good time of year. Cause that's uh that comes up relatively early, I believe. Yeah. I don't, this year. I, I don't think it matters though, because, um, the kids are just going to see the trailer on TV and they're going to see another, you know, CGI animated movie. All it has to do is get their attention. They don't necessarily have to know it's adapted off an older TV show. That's true too. Whereas, like the Rocky and Bullwinkle movie, kind of threw it in your face when you were watching it. Like you know, they came out of the TV type of a thing. Came out of their old episodes. That's true. Yeah. That was a that was a weird movie too. Yeah. It was, yeah. was it was kind of like 
half Space Jam, half something else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, de- it def- that's definitely the best way to put it. <laughs> All right, so uh, your number four. My number four, and four and five were hard to get because there were a bunch of things. I, that's my disclaimer. I put Hercules. I put I put the rocks Hercules, not to be confused with the legend of Hercules, which just came out not that long ago, which I did see, even though I had no desire to see, but I lost the vote and other people wanted to see it. And it wasn't bad, to be fair. It was better than I thought it would be. But I am looking. I like almost everything the rock is in. Uh, I know he certainly he. From a physical point of view, he really worked his ass off in that movie, for the prep for that movie, and I like. And it's going to be an interesting take because, I, as opposed to the Legend of Hercules, which is kind of like how you know how Hercules became Hercules to begin with, how he discovered who he was and started down the road to being you know being the legendary character. The this movie, the Brett and Rat, it's Brett and Ratner, I believe. I think this is Ratner's movie that. This version of Hercules is more like a we- kind of like a weary, ve- older Hercules, who kind of is kind of maybe lost his way at least from a I think from a moral either a moral center point of view or just a what what he's supposed to do with his life point of view. So he's already kind of gone through all his classic adventures, and now it's, so it's kind of like him coming back to find himself in a way. So plus just the, plus the pictures and everything you've seen from the sets and everything. It's another one from a. Visually, that movie should be really, really impressive, and I'm sure I'm sure The Rock will pull it off. Again, it's, it's a movie you wonder about the the the, the must see factor, the want to see factor. That's why I was that's why I was when I first thought about this list, I didn't think that would be on my list. But then again, I started looking at some of the other things, and it was like it probably deserves it. I'm interested in it. He's he's very popular right now, you know. So I I think. I'm curious about it, and I think that's why I put it. That's probably first and foremost why I put it on my list. Besides the fact that I like The Rock. Yeah, I saw I saw Hercules listed down. I've got The Legend of Hercules listed down as as some movies I'm interested in. Um, the only reason I put The Legend of Hercules over uh, Hercules, it, well, for two, it's for two reasons. Even though The Rock is a good actor and you know can can be put in good roles, it's almost like uh, he's he, he still got this negative stigma with me attached to him that I'm not 100% sold on everything he does. So so it was kind of a deterrent there. But also every list I saw of the 20 the movies coming out in 2014, Hercules or The Legend of Hercules, The Legend of Hercules is always on. For the most part, on the list, on the various lists I saw online, is on the most anticipated of 2014 list. Whereas Hercules is just kind of there and not and not on any anticipated list. So I figured mm. that the, I, on a lot of on a lot of sites I went to today at work. So really, yeah, yeah, that strike that strikes me as odd. Unless I mean, the only, I would sus- and I, this is just a guess. I would suspect that maybe the some who's who is ever making. Or writing those down might be confusing the two because I know I didn't think any, I didn't I'd be surprised if people were really looking forward to the uh, to the one that just came out more than the Rocks version. They may be getting the two. I would assume some of some people anyway are getting the two confused, but that may not. But who knows? Because the the one that just came out, The Legend of Hercules, was pretty well under the radar, and they really didn't. I mean, it was marketed a little bit towards the end, but it was. 
I mean, it was, so that would surprise me if more if people knew there were two movies coming out and they and they made the conscious decision that yeah we want to see the legend but we don't want to see the one with the with, with the rock. I mean, it's possible, but that that surprises me if, if they were made the that they were completely informed and they made that choice. Yeah. But, well, I mean, um, it, it really does. I, I've always I'll probably see both. I've always had, uh, but before I ever got into comics, because you know, like I've said a billion times, I got I started reading regularly in two thousand eight. Before I ever got into comics or anything else, my first obsession with mythology of any sort was, you know, Greek mythology. So when it came to you know Aphrodite and Zeus and Hermes and Hades and you know all of that stuff, I, that that was my wheelhouse. That was the stuff I was soaking up. Um, so you know, there's there's still a special love for that uh, that pantheon uh, in in my in my mind. That you know, whenever I see something related to it, I want to um, kind of reach out and, and and go see it and make an effort to to see that kind of stuff. Plus, you know, one of my favorite movies as a kid uh, <laughs> uh, was Clash of the Titans. I knew you were going to say that. I just knew it. As soon as, as soon as you were you were kind of like prefacing it, it's like he's going to say Clash of the Titans. <laughs> Come on, who doesn't like that little owl? Which is funny. He was. Did you see? Did, you didn't get it. I tried. You couldn't watch the Super Bowl because you had problems. That's right. right? I, I couldn't. I couldn't watch the Super Bowl, but I did see that commercial. Yes. Commercial. Yeah. yeah. That was. That was. That was kind of a nice little. Nice little homage and throw in to see how many people are going to remember him. Yeah. That that was cool to see. Um, yeah, Clash of the Titans is the original one. Is one of my favorite movies. Um, even though the, the remake that came out recently kind of sucked, um, I, I still kind of enjoy it just because of what it is. Um, you know, it doesn't, it, the, the quality of it doesn't necessarily matter to me so much as just the seeing those characters again. So it, it was, you know, it was kind of, it's kind of like the Green Lantern movie, right? The Green Lantern movie, let's, let's be honest, it sucked. But there's still a part of you that loves that movie just because you get to see live-action Green Lantern. You know what I mean? No, I understand where you're going with it, the, yes. The same, the same is true with me and the Clash of the Titans remake. And I, did, I didn't get a chance to see the, uh, the follow-up to that, the sequel. Uh, what was that called? Oh, God. Um, War of the Titans. Wrath, Wrath, Wrath of the Titans. Yeah, right? there you go. Wrath of the Titans. I didn't get a chance to see that, but... Um, I want to still, no matter how bad it sucked. Um, yeah, Clash of the, the Clash of the Titans remake is like that for me. You know, it's like I, you know, it may the, the movie may suck horribly. Doesn't matter. I get to see those characters again, and I get to see. It, it doesn't matter what. I get to see him go release the Kraken, and you're like, <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter how shitty the movie is, as long as they get that particular moment right. Someone in the audience is gonna go. Fuck yes. <laughs> you know, someone's going to someone's going to rip that audio off the DVD, enhance it and make it their text tone, you know? Whenever they get a text, they get release the Kraken. <laughs> you know that's awesome. Stand, st- stand up. <laughs> so, you know, it's whatever. Um but yeah, I that yeah, I I definitely am looking forward to seeing it one if not both of those Hercules movies. Um now, it's been a long time since I've uh, since I've read any Greek mythology, but this might so correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, and maybe maybe you know, maybe you don't. I'll just go ahead and mention this now. One of the other movies I'm in, I'm interested in, Pompeii. Yes. Have you seen the trailer for Pompeii? Yes, I have. Um, 
a giant explosion of a volcano. It takes place in, you know, olden times. I don't know if that's necessarily connected to Greek mythology, but it seems right around the same time period. So, you know, by extension, I'm kind of interested in it. Plus, it's got the guy who plays uh, Jon Snow on uh, uh, Game of Thrones. Um, so, And I like that actor, so I'm definitely checking that out anyways. I don't know. Uh, the, the trailer, it doesn't make it look like the best movie ever. You know, you, you, I can see a lot of people who, you know, see the, would see the trailer and go, eh, maybe. But... It's not. It's nothing special, but yeah, I don't know. Something about it kind of seemed like something I would want to watch. I think yeah. That that's another one that looks. In, uh, that's another one that looks interesting. It's, but again, you, you're correct. I don't know if it. I don't know if by the trailer alone it's going to pack a lot of, pack a lot of people in. Even though I guess they're trying to go for maybe the whole disaster movie. Yeah. You know the whole the whole disaster movie theme, I suppose. Uh, let's watch a like a Roman town get covered in lava. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. So, I, but no, I like Kit. Ha- I like Kit Harrington too. So, it, so I, I, I find it interesting that there's a lot of stuff, whether it's TV or 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 movies. You see, you see him and um, Rob Stark there in a lot of, yeah, a lot of things lately. So they certainly are taking, taking their Game of Thrones fame and and running with it. Um, speaking of Hercules, isn't now I know that um. Schwarzenegger's thinking about doing another Conan movie. Did, wasn't he also thinking about doing another Hercules? Well, like an older Hercules? I don't know. I don't. I'm trying to remember if that was unless. I thought I heard somewhere about uh, Schwarzenegger doing a Hercules thing, and we've got two Hercules movies this year, neither of which is he mentioned at all in. Well, un- unless it was. Because we know we did that horrible Hercules in New York movie. Um, the only thing I could think of would be maybe before you know, the Rocks movie was kind of like finalized. Maybe he kind of there was talk okay. at least among him. Because since the obviously uh, uh, Dwayne Johnson's movie, he's not playing that older, you know, not that old of a, a version of Hercules. But maybe that was the idea. But it probably would be a harder sell with Arnold since you know Hercules in New York is kind of yeah, considered one, one of the worst movies of all time. So. <laughs> <laughs> He's back because you did not demand it. <laughs> hey, you over there. I'm Hercules. <laughs> all right. Um, so what, number four is now is what I'm on? Am I, yeah, my... you should be number four. Okay, my number four is Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, I think... Okay, even though it's even though it's not this, and I don't know anything really about Guardians of the Guardians of the Galaxy, in my mind, this is like almost kind of sort of getting Green Lantern, the Green Lantern we were supposed to get. You know, it's a space team set in a in a big expansive D, uh, you know, a big expansive comics universe. You know, you know, I, like I I think that. You know what? Among other things, the Green Lantern movie could have done. You know, we keep talking about we spend more time on Oa and so on and so forth. One of the smaller things the Green Lantern could have, movie could have done is referenced more DC cosmic stuff. You know, it could have it could have talked about uh, Korgar or Zamoran or Krypton or Quard or you know, 
you know, a billion. It could, it could talk about the Daxamite homeworld. It could have talked about the, you know, it could have talked about a billion different things. Well, I kind of see Guardians of the Galaxy doing that for the Marvel universe and referencing various other cosmic Marvel things. Just maybe not necessarily going there, but like name drops and stuff like that. Uh, maybe going to some of these planets for a brief moment or mentioning that they'd been there or, you know, something like that. Um, we've had Thor, uh, both Thor movies, and they do the cosmic thing pretty well, I think. Um, we've had the the elf world. I can't remember the name of the, pl- the, the planet. We've had uh, Jotunheim. We've had Hogan's world. Uh, we had, uh, we've had Asgard, Midgard. I mean, they've they've gotten almost all of the the main nine realms in the first two movies, and then that's just two movies. So that's I mean that's freaking awesome. Um, I think that's that's cool, uh, and I think Guardians of the Galaxy will help expand the Marvel cosmic. Uh, but but Thor, the both Thor movies took place. Well, the first one took place largely on Earth slash Midgard, um, and the second place and the second one took place largely on Asgard, but partly on Earth. Um, I think, if I'm not mistaken, Guardians of the Galaxy is supposed to take place largely in space. Like, no time at all spent on Earth, right? I believe so. Right. I think that would be awesome to see. I want to see a movie. I mean, like, think about it. You've got Iron Man, Hulk, Captain America, Thor, and then you had the Avengers movie with, with, with Black Widow and Hawkeye and everything. Even though you've got Thor in there... There's not really a hundred percent, you know, commitment to the cosmic side of things. So when you got those characters, their individual movies and the Avengers movies, and then throw Guardians of the Galaxy in there as the next part of this Marvel this Marvel movie verse, that's like the wild card. You know what I mean? Yes. I'm I'm excited to see them do the wild card. Um, not just because it is a wild card, but because it's a cosmic wild card. Like, of all the things they could throw in there next to introduce to fans, they must have, like, a killer script, killer actors, killer director. They must be going balls to the wall with it so crazy that they believe in it so much that they're willing to make it a part of this Marvelverse. I think, even though a lot of geeks are excited for Guardians of the Galaxy, I think Guardians of the Galaxy is going to be one of the, the bigger sleeper hits of 2014. Now, keep in mind, I know nothing about Guardians of the Galaxy, but um, like the, con- the the characters and everything like that. But I'm I'm pretty excited to see what what they do with it. Um, I don't know. It's just uh, just going to be pretty awesome, I think. Now, related to Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> This is this is one of those movies where I have every intention of seeing it. I so I do plan on seeing it. So it's kind of like a paradox here. But as far as am I looking forward to seeing it? Honestly, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> There's nothing about this movie that really draws me in. The Guardians of the Galaxy was never one of my favorite teams or the characters in that make up the Guardians were never one of my favorites. Even going back to the 70s when they first introduced the original team, they didn't do much for me. I mean, they were okay when they were, you know, when I think when they guest starred in an issue, you know, here and there with either Fantastic Four or Spider-Man or whatever. 
but I didn't. None of the characters did anything for me then. Um, I I have some fond memories of Rocket of Rocket Raccoon when when he was in the Hulk because that's my first you know when they first brought him into the Hulk that was my first real experience and interact um, interaction with him. So I'm curious. I'm curious to see how they pull that off. But and I, and again, like you mentioned about the about kind of this could be like the Green Lantern movie to a certain extent. Parts of it, of the universe of, of building, you know, literally universe building that we didn't get. I in the kind of I'm int- I'm interested from the point of view of Nova. You know, maybe we'll maybe we'll have to, we'll have to be the Nova cast next generation too. <laughs> So I'm interested in seeing what they do with that. So it's kind of because they are going to be introducing the Nova Core. So which was, which again in a way would be the ultimate kick kick in the groin right there that you know the, the Green Lantern movie and the Green Lantern Core which should have been bigger than all this crap <laughs> but, failed miserably. But then you have the Nova Core people wearing yeah and wearing Nova Core t-shirts. <laughs> that would be like oh man just like ah. Uh. And uh, the albatross around Ryan Reynolds' neck just grows bigger and bigger. <laughs> <laughs> Not blaming him for the whole movie, mind you. Just saying. It. Um, but I don't know. I just, I don't. I am a little intrigued because of how they're going to tie it in, or at least, you know, with with Thanos and everything that they're building, uh, seemingly so. Seemingly building towards an Avengers three, since we know it's not really it's going to be event, not going to be a plot point major anyway in Avengers two. That's going to be Ultron. So I'm curious to see you know the cos how they build it the, on the cosmic level and yet have some ties to what's going on in the rest of the Marvel universe, but not much at least not now. But you know the cast doesn't impress me that much. I mean I like Zoe Zoe Saldana, but I don't, the cast. It's more to me. It's I'm more like a curiosity. It's like I'm kind of curious what they what they're gonna do with it, but based on the sliding scale of do I want to be do I really feel like I need to be there like a on an opening night or the midnight or if they do a marathon of even though the Guardians of the Galaxy they probably wouldn't because they didn't have they had enough had nothing to tie it into. But assuming there was a marathon of something that they could tie it into, what I want is it important to go see it on opening night? I don't think so. To me, I mean, it's just. I give them credit. It's certainly their biggest risk of their of their first two phases of their movie universe. They clearly, Guardians of the Galaxy is the biggest risk because it's the more the most obscure of the characters that they're trying to launch in their own movie or in their own franchise. So I certainly give them credit for that. Uh, I still think it's an interesting choice. I think they could have. They, and, I, and again, I respect the fact that they didn't go with a, a safer choice because you could have you could have done anything from Black Panther to Doctor Strange, or even even though they have plans clearly for Ant Man more in Phase Three, but, but they could have moved that up into Phase Two if they had wanted to. So I'm so I give them complete credit for being different, but it's still a movie that is is just just doesn't do it for me as far as what I'm looking. Well, you know what I mean? It's it's just not. When I hear that movie, do I go? I mean, do I, do I not react? Do I smile? Do I go? Uh, I don't go. Uh, but I definitely. But it's not like I don't smile with two thumbs up or or, or get giddy like a schoolboy when I think about it. So that's so that's. Yeah. That's what I, well, I mean, what was the first movie of Marvel Phase One? Iron Man. Right. Did the general public really know who Iron Man was? He was a B. He was a B tier. 
Marvel character. I, I mean, comic book fans knew who he was. Yeah, did the, did the public at large at least did they completely know who he was, even if they had heard the name? Probably, probably not. I mean, he probably, but he certainly had a higher recognition level than Guardians of the Galaxy. True, but if you're going to start a Marvel movie verse with uh, any of the the main Avengers characters, the general public knows Hulk and you know maybe Thor. Um, it, it more, Captain America. I don't know if the general public knows Cap. Um, I think I think I think so because you have to just remember how, f- technically speaking, the character goes back even before he was yeah, really Marvel. That's true. So I mean, yeah, but I, I know what you're. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Um, but yeah, I mean, and and plus, I get why they're also doing like logically also why they're doing Guardians of the Galaxy. Who is going to be, you know, the big big villain of the Marvel movie verse eventually? Thanos. Thanos. Exactly. Thanos is cosmic. <laughs> like you gotta you gotta build the cosmic hero side of things, and they're they're kind of they're like they slowly introduced it with Thor, and now we're de- delving in full force with Guardians of the Galaxy. So they're gonna establish the existence of this 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 cosmic universe for for Marvel. Uh, so that that way when Thanos does show up. You get the sense of not only is he a threat to Earth, but he's a threat to existence as a whole. So I think I think that would I think I think I think it's a right move. But honestly, the the reason I'm excited for for Guardians of the Galaxy for the most part is just just the fact that of all the things they choose to go with, they choose to go with Guardians of the Galaxy. That's that's hedging a lot of bets and a lot of money. So, for them to have such a successful Marvel movie verse, you know, continuity like this, and yet still say, trust us, it's going to be good enough to be part of this Marvel movie verse, I, I don't know. It just seems like it's going to be a sleeper hit. Now, it's a, it's a, it's a smart move from the point of view that if you're going to do something like this, this is the time to do it. Yeah. Because you have. You have completed you completed phase one with the Avengers being as huge as it was. You know you've already had Thor. You know Thor did better than the original. Uh, there's every reason to believe that Cap is going to do better than the original. I still don't know why they're releasing it in April instead of May. Really, that I, <laughs> still makes me scratch my head a little. But still, I mean, obviously, early November when Thor came out, that's not the ideal time for a box office hit either. Considering you really look at the times that the mega mega millions are more like billions when you cross over to the billions in in box office those movies tend to come out more and more in the summer unless you're like avatar or something and and you know some of the lord of the rings movies worldwide but mostly it's the summer is for the big box office but i understand but so i give them this is the time to do it because it's also a good time to do it because obviously what they're doing in phase two, even if Guardians of the Galaxy underachieved a little and probably based on the hype and based on the goodwill that they have going from all the other movies, you would kind of think that people, the as we mentioned before, the curiosity factor should be enough to pretty much make sure that the movie's not going to bomb no matter what. Yeah. So if you're going to roll a dice on something, this is the time to do it. It, as you mentioned, Based on establishing the 
the background on Thanos and or the you know the bigger Marvel universe as a whole beyond what's going on on Earth to kind of like put that sandbox out there so people know where the you know who the chess pieces are and everything else. That's important, and this is a good uh, outlet to do it in. And you know, the if the if for some reason the movie were to underachieve, it does not necessarily you know damage them in the, in the big picture because we know certainly when it comes to um, the end of Phase Two, I mean, people are going to go, people are going to also see the Avengers too, regardless of anything that happens in Guardians of the Galaxy. That's true. <laughs> you know, and and considering that how how well that movie did, how popular that movie was. Thor, you know, Dark World was was very popular. You know, assuming Cap is, you know, has this, people react the same way to the second one. That, you know, the, the Avengers 2 is going to be so big that, you know, realistically speaking, Guardians of the Galaxy probably isn't going to have any real impact one way or the no matter what would happen on, for the Avengers. Yes, it could hurt them down the road, but there's no, you know, but there's no necessarily... Oh, there's no necessary guarantee that they're going to do a sequel to Guardians of the Galaxy anyway. You know, have them stand alone again. I mean, maybe, but yeah. So, I mean, I I'm curious. I am curious about it, but like I said, based on my first reaction, is like it's not something that I. It's not a more. It's the first Marvel property or Marvel movie that I'm not you know gung ho, super gung gung ho to see. And maybe, but that's again, if maybe if I read more of Guardians of the Galaxy, maybe it would it would it would do more for me and I'd have more of a re- different kind of visceral visceral reaction to, you know, the property when they announced that movie too. So I gotcha. Alright, so number threes? Number threes. Alright, so my, my number three is Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, which comes out on seven eleven. I Really, really, really enjoyed Rise of the Planet of the Apes. It certainly far exceeded my expectations, even though the trailers looked good. Though, of course, the trailers, as trailers often are, the, the first trailer maybe was a little misleading by making it sound like, or making it appear that, you know, sees there was this malcontent, just evil ape, <laughs> which clearly he wasn't and based on the history of, in the original Planet of the Apes movies, anybody named Caesar, you would assume would not be that, that kind of character. I really enjoyed Rise of the Planet of the Apes. I thought, for once again, kind of going back and tinkering with coming up with basically another alternate timeline version of how the apes took over. Because, again, just looking at years and everything, it can't match what happened in the Charlton Heston movie, though they are certainly trying to at least establish the same, some of the same basic chain of events, I think, in the original timeline. Not the timeline that got altered, and for, for clearly for Planet of the Apes fans, they would know that, you know, when in, th- in the third movie, when Escape from the Planet of the Apes, when Cornelius and Zira come back and, and their baby grows up to be the original Caesar that we know, that changes the entire timeline because originally it was supposed to be hundreds of years from the time apes became servants to slaves to rebelled. And obviously everything happened in a much shorter time frame because there was already an intelligent ape on Earth to organize the resistance in that movie. So Dawn of the, I'm curious to see in this in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes where they're going to go with it. Clearly, the, the the basic premise has been there. Yes, there was a, there was already been a trailer for this, a teaser trailer, which doesn't really show much, which is kind of cool, which is what a teaser trailer really should be doing. It's not not giving away too much of the plot, but just letting you know that it's coming. Because I knew I knew about the trailer and I kind of saw it online, but but 
But Liz didn't know about the trailer, and she, she and she liked the first movie. She was kind of reluctant to go see it at first because it looked you know sad, which it kind of was. But she really enjoyed it, so she was really excited when she saw the second trailer, the teaser trailer. I mean, for the second movie, even though there's not much that really happens in it, you kind of see Gary Oldman, who 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 is a one of the survivors from the from the plague that the virus that started killing off people at the end of the first movie. And you see Caesar and his, and his his army of apes, which is ever growing. And there seems to be some effort to. There seems to be there certainly is a conflict between the apes and the people, and they're trying to. There's some hints that they're trying to come to a middle ground, but there's certainly a struggle going on for who's going to achieve dominance on or, or remain dominant. And kind of based on the whole premise of the series, you kind of know where it's going to go. But I think I'm hoping. That's going to follow in the footsteps of the first movie, which paid, I think paid a great deal of respect to the original Planet of the Apes series, the premise of the Planet of the Apes series, and the first one succeeded in the way it was supposed to. If you, if you, were, rooting for, if you were rooting for Caesar and the apes by the end of the movie, then that movie did its job because that was the move that – was, that was the story it was trying to tell. So I – like I said, I grew up with the original movies. I – I still remember when I was a little kid, my father taking me to see uh, – they had a Go Ape marathon when they played all five of the original movies back-to-back. And as far as I'm concerned, there's only the five original movies and Rise because we'll, I will never count <laughs> Tim Burton's abortion of a movie in this series since they were so out of place, doesn't make sense, and the ending made no sense whatsoever. Having a twist ending makes is great if it makes sense. You know, the original one was – you know, the original Planet of the Apes and that Statue of Liberty ending was perfect because it made sense really in the context of what was going on. It made sense. The ending of the Tim Burton remake made very little sense. So I'm looking to that. So number three, and that's the, this is the first one that, as you probably you can tell, that I'm really passionate about of the, of the, of the top five on my list. That because Rise of the Planet of the Apes is a movie I love. But it has that sadness factor, which makes it difficult to sit and watch a lot of times. Kind of like, even though you love it, there's the, the sad parts are so they bother you enough where it's kind of hard to sit and watch the movie from beginning to end all the time. I have that feeling with with Babe, and sometimes sometimes with Lilo and Stitch, though I've kind of outgrown that now. <laughs> but that movie, that movie used to make me cry all the time for like the first four or five times that I that I saw it. That, but at least, but I can I've overcome that with Lilo and Stitch, but with Rise of the Planet of the Apes, it's the sad part still make me want to not watch that, even though I love the movie and recommend people seeing it because it has that kind of reaction and makes you feel, and that's important. And now we'll stop rambling and let Chad talk. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to see Rise of the Planet of the Apes, but somehow I've just not got around to it. Um, and to be perfectly honest, I know I've seen the first Planet of the Apes movie because I like old movies. Um, but I, for the life of me, can't remember the details of that movie. Um, but I know I've seen it. Um, so I think I think I might watch the the first one or two movies of the original Planet of the Apes series. See if I, I you know, it rekindles an interest. I'm definitely going to watch Rise of the Planet of the Apes because that's that's the one I did have an interest in seeing. But Planet of the Apes stuff has never really been on my radar, so there's not a whole lot. There's not a whole lot I can say about it. I know my dad likes it, um, you know, but he likes all that stuff. So, you know, as far as as far as him having like a special passion for it, I don't think he does. 
but he does like you know those movies that came out you know and that he you know saw as a you know 20 something or you know whatever it may be um he does he does enjoy that stuff but you know the the stuff i remember watching with my dad is is uh more specific stuff and you know we'll get to that later when we get to my number one um but yeah, I do. I do want to see Rise of the Planet of the Apes. I've heard lots of good things about it. Uh, the trailer before it, the movie actually even came out really interested me. I wanted to see it anyways. So I'm going to get around to it at some point. I just haven't. I just haven't seen it yet. And one of the interesting things about the original Planet of the Apes series, and certainly I would one, three, and four are the best, no matter how which kind of order you put them in. The second one is kind of relevant because it gets you in a way, kind of. It obviously, literally, and figuratively, gets you from point from point A to point B, from one to three. Since three is a whole time travel thing, well, it's all kind of time travel, really. When you think, but the point is, you almost have to see two just so three makes a little bit of sense. Yeah. But I would rec- definitely recommend it. I think it's it's worth seeing. It's worth seeing the whole series. It's something that's worth watching. Um, and the thing that's interesting, as I started to say, was that in a way, kind of like it's it's kind of like the Terminator, from a time from a timeline point of view. That every time every, that the timeline keeps getting screwed up and changed by different events, but you know the major events end up happening. They just happen in different ways and at different times. You know, in the first in the first movie, when John Connor gets sends Kyle Reese back, and then Kyle Reese somehow ends up being his father. But yet, when you really think about it, in order for the loop to begin the first time, there had to be a John Connor's whose father wasn't Kyle Reese, because how could you send somebody back into the past if you don't exist to send them back? It's just one of those things. It's time travel, you know. There's paradoxes all over the place. Yeah. And it's the same thing with Plan- but when you watch Planet of the Apes, you'll see at least as far as the history that they relate to, not just Charlton Heston, but later on when they come to comes back to present day earth which is in the 70s that their history of how the apes came to power becomes completely different than than how we see the apes come to power in in episodes or in movies four and five that it's a whole different thing that the timeline gets changed because of the time travel the events basically the major events still happen but how and when varies so like so i I, in a way kind of out pre-terminator terminator because of from that point of view that there's always a different time timeline and time frame but the major events you know the major conflict keeps happening so i would definitely recommend you watching those movies and the first one the first one is a classic with the rod you know with the whole rod serling ending and they were very clever especially even though one of the things in the box set they have a re- they have a really good documentary hosted by Roddy McDowell regarding the, the plan of the ape series and the they kept wanting to make more of the movies, but of course, you know, the budgets kept getting being, being rolled back. So when you look at how they, how they kind of dealt with that, from a storytelling point of view, especially in number three, which was a whole, you go for the first two movies, basically where the, the apes are the bad guys and the humans are the good guys, to completely turning the whole dynamic around by from definitely in movies three and four, where the apes are the people that you people quote unquote that you're rooting for the characters that you're rooting for based on their circumstance which is you know which is kind of it's a nice trick to pull off when you're basically having the audience root against their own species <laughs> yeah it's like we suck go get them so but i would yeah and we can talk about it after you know i have all these movies so mm-hmm. uh we can talk when we're off the air about maybe getting Letting you letting you have some to watch to see what you to see what you think, but I'm definitely but I but Dawn of the Planet of the Apes is definitely one that 
would be on my top five list regardless of how, how when we discussed this or how much time we had to talk about it or whatever. It would always be on my list based on what's coming out this year. Mm-hmm. Um, my number three is something that was on Mark's list. What number was it on yours? Oh, uh, I don't think I had numbered it yet. I think it was. I think it was number three. Okay. On my list, I think I think Dawn might have been four, and this movie was three. Okay, my number three is Amazing Spider-Man Two. Um, for those of you who watched the Super Bowl, there was like a four-minute freaking trailer for it. Uh, I hear, is that right? There was a long trailer for it. Yes. Okay, it was like a four-minute trailer. I saw the trailer online. Uh, it looks epic. Uh, you got it looks like Rhino, Hobgoblin, maybe. Uh, I think they're hinting it's supposed to be green. It's supposed. To, I think what we've seen so far hints that it's Green Goblin, but it's more like the Harry version. Yeah. Which is, as we, when we talk about, when I get to talk about it, I'll mention yeah. thoughts on that. But I think it's supposed. To, but it could be. We. It's it's kind of up in the air because you still don't know what the what the hell's going to happen with Norman in this by the third movie. So right. So that's why. Um. I mean, it's cool. You don't know what's going to happen to Gwen. Um. It's it's kind of got a uh, a Spider-Man two kind of feel to it uh, the 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 Sam Raimi Spider-Man uh, Spider-Man two where you know uh, Spidey's getting or Peter's getting a little full of himself uh, in a way and you know this this whole thing kind of brings him back down. Um, there's still some humor in it. Um, the the special effects look awesome. Uh, you know, in in the trailer itself, and it, you, even before the four minute trailer, you saw the clips of uh, you know, and the, they they hinted at you know Doc Ock's you know arms and uh, the Vulture's wings and that stuff. Uh, they've been talking for a long time. Apparently, the Amazing Spider-Man three is probably going to be a Sinister Six movie. Um, I mean, it just it just looks phenomenal. As a matter of fact, um, I am a huge Venom fan. I don't care what anybody says. Venom is the symbiote thing is cool to me. Um, Venom is one of my is one of my top f- favorite Marvel characters. Period. Um, and Spider Man three shit all over him, and I still cannot let that go. Like that that portrayal of Venom. I mean, forget Spider Man three as a whole. What they did to Venom in that movie, that alone pissed me off so much that I just, I can't, I have Spider-Man 3 on my shelf, but when I go to, you know, maybe marathon a couple of movies, I will go watch the old Sam Raimi, Sam Raimi Spider-Man uh, 1 and 2. I will put Spider-Man 3 in to have, hear the background of it, but there are certain scenes, man, like, I think even subconsciously, I just get up and I start cleaning so I don't have to see, <laughs> you know, like, I, I, I just, I don't even want to watch it kind of, kind of thing, um, but I, so we know it wasn't Raimi's fault, really. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Uh, <laughs> but I think you know one of the one of the reasons Spidey Three sucks so hard was they tried to do too much, and I think Amazing Spider-Man Two is in a way going to be a vindication kind of for Spider-Man Three in a, in in the sense that that. Uh, the whole quote unquote, you can't have too much. Like you can have three villains in one movie and it'll be awesome, you know, type of thing. You know, the, you know, the whole, 
you know, you can't do a team, a superhero team up movie because cer- certain characters won't get enough spotlight or it won't work right or whatever. And then Avengers came out and everybody was like, holy shit, you can do a superhero team up movie. Awesome. Well, I think Amazing Spider-Man 2 might be kind of like that, except for the villain side of things. You can't have a, a big villain team or else, you know, something's going to go wrong. Well, I think, you know, when Amazing Spider-Man 2 comes out, you're going to be like, oh shit, they did it. Awesome. So that when Spidey 3 comes out and it's, you know, probably a Sinister Six movie, you're going to be like, holy crap, that's, this is awesome. You know? Um, and plus, I hear there's going to be a few different solo movies coming out over the next few years, one of which is supposed to be a Venom solo movie that might be set, that, or that should be set in this new Amazing Spider-Man kind of universe. And I don't know if the seeds will be planted for it in Amazing Spider-Man 2 or if it'll be 3 or if it's ever going to happen at all. But they've been talking about this this kind of solo Venom movie and stuff enough that I'm wondering if there might be – like I will be watching Amazing Spider-Man 2 and sucked in just because of the movie itself. But in the back of my mind, there's going to be this one laser that's just pointed for anything Eddie Brock or symbiote related whatsoever. If I see ooze in a corner or something, I'm gonna be like, "Wait, <laughs> what is that? Is hold on, was that was that what I think it is? You know, I'm gonna freak out." So, I, I don't know. Amazing Spider-Man Two. It just looks fun. It looks visually astonishing. It looks like it's gonna be a good villain uh, movie. Um, they, you know, maybe they'll kill Gwen in it. I don't know. Um, you know, there, there's bits of humor in there with Aunt May. So I think, I mean, I just think it looks cool. Uh, to this day, Amazing Spider-Man 1 is one of my favorite movies to watch on Blu-ray. Just not necessarily because it's a, an epic movie, but just because of the way it looks on Blu-ray is awesome. So I can't wait to see this movie in theaters and, you know, with, with you know, the uh, Electro's Blues and, you know, all the technology that Rhino and Green Goblin have and, the way Spidey's new suit's gonna look, you know, I can't, I can't wait to see the visuals of this movie. So I'm, I'm pretty excited for it. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it a great deal too. Uh, I would say, see, it's kind of interesting because my points might almost are gonna contradict each other. My, my only concern would be that they're trying again, that they're trying to shoehorn too much in. Because we know, even though I don't think Rhino is supposed to be in it much, I kind of the the impression that I got from just from what I've read and and just seen the, in the scenes that I know, you know, because you saw some scenes with Giamatti before they you know they kind of put the the armor and stuff on him, but CGI that I kind of get the feeling that it's only maybe like he's only going to be in a small part of the movie. So if there was more than one villain going on constantly that you're going to deal with besides Electro, that it might be whatever. Which, whichever goblin-esque <laughs> incarnation we see, then it won't be so bad. My only concern would be, other than laying, you know, laying the groundwork for the Sinister Six, they might give us too much. And that being said, I don't. I want it. I I would like it to be just enough and not to have too much, simply because. Like, as a, and you brought up a really good point, which I was going to mention. Yeah. I get, I honestly, I get sick and tired of hearing that. Oh, you, have, you can't have if you have, you can't have too many. You know, if you have, have like more than two villains, or, or and you, you, it's going to be a disaster. It'll never work. And they always go to Spider-Man Three, using that as an example. 
And Spider-Man 3 didn't fail because it had too many villains. It failed because it was a poorly written movie. <laughs> they, they didn't – They had if they had used the characters in the movie that, that were in there, if they had used them better and properly, it would have worked. I mean Superman 2 had four villains when you really think about it. They had, it had Lex Luthor and it had all the, the, the three Kryptonians. That was fine. I mean look, Batman Begins had a bunch of villains, You know, some major, some minor, but it worked. Because it's a well-written and well-conceived movie. You don't – it's not a, a law that if you have – just like it's not a law that if you only have one villain in a movie, it's going to be good. You could have a really weak villain. We've seen that in movies too, that you have a weak villain that just – and it, and it can kill the movie. Yeah. You don't, it doesn't have to. I mean technically you can make a strong case in Iron Man. You can make a strong case in, in almost all the Iron Man solo movies that the real, the real threat, the individual threat – that Tony Stark face wasn't really that impressive in any of them, whether it was, you know, Ironmonger or their, their version of Whiplash or everything. It wasn't that, you know, it was not that awe-inspiring. And but still, but those, but Iron Man one worked because it was a good cast and because of Tony and because of Robert Downey Jr. You know, the character sold the movie more than the threat. But just because you have one villain doesn't mean the movie's going to be good. Just because you have three villains doesn't mean it's going to be bad. Mm-hmm. So I, I get that's a people just sometimes you know you, you just get beaten to death because people there's a narrative that people buy into whether it's true or not and they just go oh um, so as soon as they or they go oh it's not gonna work it's not gonna succeed because you know Batman and Robin had like you know had a had a, had three villains and it's like well whatever I mean that if it's a crappy movie it's it's that movie could have had one villain and it still would have been stupid and it's still mm-hmm. would, because it was poorly written every so, every nolan movie had two villains first one scarecrow and Raish. second one uh not J- even counting what's his face uh, falcone right yeah uh the second one had joker and two-face the third one had bane and catwoman so i mean it's just like whatever and talia really yeah talia talia was in there you, so even though that was a late a really, really late <laughs> reveal. Yeah. But, yeah, so that's the point. I mean, that's what people forget. I mean, they just want to, they just want to jump on that, you know, that bandwagon that, oh, it's got to be, you know, just, so I'm hoping that Spider-Man 2, you know, will prove once again, Amazing Spider-Man 2, that you can have a bunch of villains, even if it's only one, let's not even uh, qualify it, because you can have one villain we can more, have more than one villain, and, and, and it'll work. And it's not too much. It's not, it's not, you know, too. It's not overkill. The other thing I like about Amazing Spider-Man Two is, as you mentioned, that the way they're kind of shaping it up. That hoping, you know, we're hoping it's going to be as good as, you know, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man Two. The interesting contrast is, of course, that in this movie, we're getting Peter Parker, who seems to enjoy being Spider-Man. It's a threat. He's got to deal with it and growing threats. But this isn't a Peter Parker. Oh God, I I, I want to give this up, or I'm having doubts about. And you know, so his powers wonking out. This is not the all too typical, all too typical in a second movie of the of the of the hero, kind of the reluctant hero who wants to give up his powers, and something forces him to his or you know him or her to realize that oh I, this is who I am and I can't do this. This seems to be a Peter Parker who enjoys being Spider-Man, who kind of is enjoying the the benefits also of being Spider-Man and, and the and the positives of being Spider-Man. So that's a nice. I think that's an, an interesting and a nice contrast with you know with the, the second Raimi movie. With Gwen, 
here's my take. They seem to be going out of their way to keep reiterating the fact that they're trying to be as true to Gwen's story as you know was in the comic books. Well, if that's really the case, I still don't think she's dying in this movie. I know there are a lot of hints that maybe she will. There's some, you know, there's some scenes of Peter Parker being upset of her falling and him catching her, catching her though she seems alive when he catches her. So that seems to be a red herring, I think. She's wearing the same kind of outfit that Gwen wore when she died. But if they're keeping it true, Norman Osborn has to be the one that kills her. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it kind of really be stupid to go to? We're gonna do. We're gonna try to do everything we can to make this cinematic version of Gwen's death be exactly like the movie, but we're not gonna have the character killer that. You know, his is his is known historically for killing her. Mm. And Norman Osborn, from what we get on from trailers and everything else, he's still not going to be the Norman Osborn that we know. Yeah. You know, we saw a picture. We see. I think the first trailer we saw pictures of him talking to Harry, and he's still kind of on his deathbed or getting close. So we assume that something to do with the Goblin Serum or something that happens at Oscorp will revitalize him and make probably probably make him the ringleader or the biggest threat in the third movie as leader of the sinister six but i don't so my my and i could be completely wrong my gut feeling is she's not dying in this movie it make more sense to kill her in the third one mm-hmm. really but i but after if, if trying to really stay true unless that's just a complete you know red herring to throw throw us off off the track but and, I, and i'm not really and again i don't know what they're doing at the as far as, you know, what is he going to be the Green Goblin? Is he going to be the Hobgoblin? I don't know what they're doing with Harry, but I don't really like the idea that, you know, if, if it is going to be, if he's actually going to be the Green Goblin or call the Green Goblin, I don't like the fact that they're making him be the Green Goblin before Norman. I don't really like that little shakeup in it, but if it gets you to point A to point B and Norman still ends up being the bad guy, the big bad guy, then I guess, you know, it'll work, but that's, but I, I'm really, I'm intrigued. I know. I don't know how. I think Jamie Foxx looks good as Electro. I'm not sure if I really. I don't know if I'm. That, that wouldn't be my ideal casting for Electro, personally. But I'm glad they went with Electro. I think it's cool that in the first two movies that they gone, they went back to do classic Spider-Man villains. Which of course is not a criticism of Raimi because Raimi did too, and Raimi really wanted to use the Vulture for the third one. But they just didn't want him to. <laughs> so he he was an old school villain. Spider-Man rogues gallery kind of guy anyway. So, yeah, but I'm, I'm definitely, uh, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it looks, it looks freaking epic. Um, yeah, it, it looks, it looks pretty freaking epic. Uh, so number twos, number two. So number two for me is X-Men days of future past. Um, days, I, I'm not as optimistic about it as I was. The more you see it, it kind of raises a little, I have a little doubts about it, but it's certainly what they're counting on besides the, the combination of the old cast with the with the, you know, first class cast is they're counting on the fact that it's, that it's pretty, it's one of the most famous and, and well-liked X-Men storyline, certainly of the of the 80s, the, the whole days of future past, and the, the classic poster of, you know, of, of Wolverine with his claws out, and, the, and the, like the wanted poster on the wall with the, with the mutants that have, been, that have been killed and captured and everything else. That I'm... So I'm interested to see how they're going to do it. I think some of the, some of the things that we've seen image-wise 
have been pretty cool. I like the future X-Men's uniforms for the most part. I like the way Wolverine looks in the future with the gray hair. I think that's pretty cool. I think it's a good... I think it's a smart move on multiple levels since the whole idea was to have them jump back into the 70s, not the 80s. That it makes perfect. It makes much more sense to send send Wolverine back for him to go back into his younger body for many reasons because of the fact that he's there isn't much based on his aging factor. There isn't a whole lot of difference between Wolverine in the future and Wolverine in the past. There's also the fact that if if it's a traumatic event doing that which you would suspect it would be wolverine and his healing factor and everything else would be able to deal with it they couldn't really use kitty like they did in the storyline because of course kitty probably wouldn't have even been a she would have been a twinkle in people's eye at best back back in the 70s let alone she wouldn't be alive certainly not not i guess in theory she could have been alive possibly depending on their timeline but very unlikely so they had they kind of had to do that they kind of had to make Wolverine, and plus what we know, Wolverine is the most popular character, and Hugh Jackman is is the is the X Men to a lot of people, so it would make sense they would make him the, these the centerpiece. Going to be quite interesting to see how much action is balanced in the '70s versus the future, and how they how they pull that off. One of the best things in First Class, of course, was to me was Fastbender as Mag- Magneto. The, that I thought he was really, really good. I thought he was certainly much better as a young Magneto than um, than the contrast between older Xavier and younger Xavier. And I like, even though that most of we there's going to be a lot of more cameos than anything. A lot of the characters that they're saying, oh, he's going to be in this movie. They're going to be here. They're going to be there. We know a lot of these are going to be like kind of like momentary, you know, just brief cameos or scenes in the future, and some of these. Mutants are probably going to die fighting the Sentinels, which is another plus that we finally get to sen- see the Sentinels. So that's so I know, and I hope that Singer is going to go back to the way you know to like he did when he did X Men Two, to make this movie more more like that certainly than either his Superman Returns or we know X Men Three, though that had nothing to do with him. But I'm kind of hoping that this is. Plus, I liked where they're going. They've already hinted at where they're going with the third movie, you know, with with Apocalypse. So I think that's kind of intriguing too. So for those reasons, I I still have a high amount of hopes for for Days of Future Past. Yeah. So we Mark mentioned earlier that we had a I don't give three pounds of monkey crap about you know these movies kind of list. I have three movies on that list. However, when I I called it my not looking forward to list. Now, if it were movies I don't give two shits about and I'm not going to go see at all, that would be basically every movie that I'm not interested in at all. So my not looking forward to list is basically stuff I'm going to see just anyways in some way, shape, or form, whether it be on video or downloading it off of something or seeing it, even seeing it in the theaters. But it's not necessarily something that I am avidly looking forward to. It's not I'm not going to go see it opening day or opening week or anything like that. I'll if I see it in the theater, it'll be like I'll see it when I see it, and if somebody else wants to go see it with me, kind of a thing. X Men: Days of Future Past is on that list. I think it's it can be a good movie. I think it's. Um, 
it, I think it's it's got potential. I enjoyed First Class uh, enough. I enjoyed the original X-Men movies enough. I'm excited to see the two worlds come together. Yes, but... Okay, a trailer is supposed to be like... The, the it's supposed to get you excited for the movie. Um, I won't say it's supposed to take the best elements of the movie and encapsulate them, uh, you know, or anything like that, because you know that might give away too much of the movie. But this is we're getting pretty close to Days of Future Past. I mean, not super close, but fairly close. And this trailer really doesn't make me go, "Holy shit, this is gonna be a cool movie." You know what I mean? It just seems kind of like flashes of characters. Like, oh, Mystique's in it. Oh, Bishop's in it. Oh, Quicksilver's in it. Oh, Toad's in it. You know what I mean? And not so much the movie itself. You know what I mean? I haven't seen enough yes. I haven't seen enough of the movie and the plot to really make me go, "Oh shit, that looks cool." Like I I, I want to see how they do that. It's really more of just check it out. Young Xavier, young Magneto, old Magneto, old Xavier, Wolverine. Look, Bishop. Hey, Kitty. Hey, Iceman. You know what I mean? It's it's. There's nothing really story wise in there that makes me go, hmm. I'm gonna definitely see it. You know, when you when you just show me flashes of characters, it's kind of like another movie on my not looking forward to list: Transformers: Age of Extinction. <laughs> It's kind of like a Transformers trailer. Hey, look, there's another Autobot. Hey, look, there's a Dinobot. Hey, look, there's Optimus. Hey, look, there's Bumblebee. You know what I mean? It's yep. It, it's that's all it is to me right now. X Men: Days of Future Past. Am I am I gonna go see it? Of the three on my list that I'm not looking forward to and probably gonna go see anyways, I'm probably if I had to choose, I'm probably more likely to see Days of Future Past than any of them. Uh, I'm more curious about it, but it's not anything that I'm, I'm gonna, you know, you know, when 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 I see, oh god, tomorrow's when that movie comes out. Oh, definitely got to see it this weekend. Not that's not gonna cross my mind once, unless something like a new trailer or something comes out that's gonna change. It just doesn't see. It, it hasn't convinced me yet. That's all I'm saying. Well, that makes sense. Um, hopefully, the second trailer since we've only had one real trailer for it because you were correct they don't really tell you much other than the fact that we know that they're sending wolverine back in time into his younger body to try to convince seemingly to convince xavier for to stop being (laughs) stop alienating himself and stop being depressed and removing himself for from his the role he should be playing is being a positive and optimistic influence on on mutants and and the world as a whole. So yeah. obviously that probably the first. So you, obviously they're setting it up for that something happens. That something something happens probably because of Xavier's removal, his his disconnect. Mm-hmm. That without getting him reconnected, that's going to lead to the future that lead to the future that they're in or. Some, or some variation. Obviously, it looks like they're going to tie it into the assassination concept, which was obviously a big factor of the original storyline when Kitty was the protagonist, too. So it'll be, it, they don't give you a clear, they don't give you a clear cut, you know, what they're trying to accomplish, other than we, from, just from a, a, a neutral observer point of view. 
other than we know they're sending Wolverine to go back into his old body. Mm-hmm. And he's got to try to uh, basically, interestingly enough, it's to try to basically try to lead and help Xavier the way Xavier helped him, at, you know, in X-Men 1, to try to take, lead him down the proper path. So that that could be that could be interesting that that aspect of it, but it's also much like we talked about a few seconds ago with Spider-Man with Amazing Spider-Man Two. This also movie has the great potential of being so overcrowded and so many pe- characters being shoehorned in that it could just completely blow up in your face. <laughs> well, X-Men is also another one of those franchises that's supposedly going to be doing spinoff movies. I'm super, just like I'm super excited at the potential for there being a Venom movie, there's also supposedly potential for there being an X-Men solo, some X-Men solo character spinoff movies. One of the main talked about ones is a Gambit solo movie. Gambit is one of, Gambit is one of my top five, like he's up there with Venom. Like it's, it's Thor, Venom, Gambit, Captain Universe, and like, uh, and uh, Firestar. Those are my top five Marvel characters, and they're constantly being switched around about which one is in what spot. So they're all just up there, and Gambit is awesome. But supposedly Channing Tatum's in the in the running to play. I was that's what I was gonna say. I was gonna say you're talking about the Channing Tatum project. <laughs> so Channing Tatum is Remy, I guess. Uh, um, hope that's not true, and if it is true, he better be damn good for the role. Um, but uh, yeah, a Venom movie and a Gambit movie, like I don't know, it just looks so. Oh, I don't know. Uh, I just hope that I just hope that Days of Future Past does well. Um, I'm not too familiar with the the original storyline. I'm not too familiar with Apocalypse, what it's supposed to be leading to. Uh, but I know it's got a lot of X fans pretty excited. Um, and I'd like to see these movies do well, if only that. You know, they put enough money behind this type, this, these properties that they go, yeah, actually, let's do a Gambit solo movie. <laughs> if only, if only as long as it makes enough money that it's the vehicle to get what I want. <laughs> yeah, unfor- unfortunately, Green Lantern didn't do that for us. <laughs> yeah, I know. <sighs> All right, so my number so two, my number two is a movie that's already out by the time you guys hear this uh and as we record this uh, it's tuesday this movie's coming out friday the lego movie um i i am i'm stoked uh every every clip i see of this every trailer i see of this you know every time i happen you know every time it happens to be an ad in front of a youtube video i'm watching i get Everything is awesome. Stuck in my head uh, for the rest of the freaking day, uh, and <laughs> and um, I don't know. It's it, it it just Lego is okay. So when I was growing up, obviously I had a lot of toys and stuff like that, and I got rid of a lot of those toys. One of the few things I kept from my childhood is every single one of my legos that i obviously that that i didn't lose because you know there are a billion small pieces so yep it happens (laughs) you know when when, when you dump your legos out on the floor and your floor is carpet (laughs) you're 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 always taking a chance that you're not gonna find at least one of those small tiny pieces again (laughs) but 
I've got a a big, probably maybe uh, maybe it's about six inches thick, but it's like probably six feet long and like three feet wide Tupperware bin full of all of my Legos. I kept all of my Legos. Um, for those of you who are my, my age or right around there, and remember. Uh, one of one of my pride and joys uh, of of my toys uh, is my one of my Lego sets, which was Fort Lego Rado. Um, they had like this whole Western thing going on. They, you know, they had a lot of themes back then. It, they weren't necessarily based off properties, but they were just their own thing. They had uh, one of them was Western, and they actually had a, a fort. And that had like four big pieces connected to it, and there was a jail cell, and there was a there was uh, all ki- all kinds of stuff, and I have every piece of Fort Lego Rado still. Um, one of my one of my dreams is to one day get that Ultimate Collector's Edition of that uh, of the Millennium Falcon. I'm not talking about the one that's currently out there that everybody can get if they want. I'm talking about like the four thousand dollar one. <laughs> like like the the super detailed Millennium Falcon. Oh, that's what I want. Um, but I love Legos. Um, if they weren't so, if they weren't, if they weren't so, I don't want to say expensive, but you know that the the money you could spend on a standard Lego set, I could go get you know a Blu-ray or uh, some comics, you know something I would use more than I would use Legos. If I could justify spending that money, I would buy more Legos right now. Like I I, I bought the I bought a Lego set. Um, the last one I bought there was a there was a Lego set that had uh, Arctic Batman, uh, and it had uh, Mister Freeze, and Arctic Batman had a boat, and then it had an Aquaman figure in it that was frozen in ice. I bought it because it was Batman, because it was Mister Freeze, because it was cool, and because it had Aquaman. I thought that was cool, and that was just only like a year or two ago. So I love Legos. I've kept all of mine from childhood. I think it's so cool that we're getting basically a stop motion Lego movie. And it just looks awesome. And I've seen re- advanced reviews out for it that say that this is so much deeper than you expect it to be. And like it's about imagination and it's about, you know, all of this cool stuff. It's, it's got like a, a deeper background to it and everything. It just looks so cool. And plus, you know, as a comic fan, you've got Superman and Green Lantern and Flash and Batman and Wonder Woman all in the background. Uh, there's some Ninja Turtles in there. You see some of the older Legos, like uh, the Spaceman Lego is back there in the background, you know, and, and stuff like that. It, it just, I mean, it's so cool. And I, I can't wait to look at this movie and watch it and see, you know, because they have they have the Spaceman Lego in there, that, that old 80s Spaceman Lego uh and or in early 90s or whatever and if they've got him in there i i i, I you know it, it maybe it's maybe it's a stretch but i'm hoping to see some of the other old legos that i had and stuff you know like maybe one of the old western guys from fort lego rado um you know or or, or something like that i i just even if there are no callbacks to my childhood legos i don't care it's just it's a lego movie that's that's cool it's just cool, and I I don't know what else to say about it. It's just I'm I'm super looking forward to it. Um, I hope I get to see it on Saturday or Sunday or something like that, uh, or sometime soon. I just I've been looking forward to it ever since it was announced. When when they said Lego Movie, I was like, 
I don't care what it is. I'm in. I'm seeing it. <laughs> I think it looks good. I might. There's a chance. Maybe I'm assuming there'll be a showing on Thursday night. Maybe there's a depending on the weather, of course. That uh, maybe maybe we'll go see it on Thursday night. It does look funny. <laughs> a lot of the characters thrown in, and yes, it, it's it's a nice it's a nice homage to throw in the old figures, throw in some of the like the the original. Yeah, the astronaut ones were cool. I think I I think I used to pre- I think I used to pretend they were like the Fantastic Four or something because they had the little the colored uniforms yeah. and stuff, and yeah, and the little the little yeah the the helmets. That's back back in the first like the first generation of getting figures back unlike when i was a kid when if you wanted a figure you had to build them out of the friggin bricks it's <laughs> <laughs> like and that just wasn't the same they've come a long way now, now we're getting figures to everything and some non-official lego figures like our green lantern ones <laughs> no i'm definitely looking forward to it it looks it looks funny and it's clever it was a good idea they're, again they're releasing it at a pretty good time so i'm and they have a good, you know, good voice, a good voice cast. If you read, if you read the premise, it kind of sounds. Even the premise kind of sounds funny. The movie, so yeah, I I think that was a good choice. I'm definitely, I'm definitely down to go see that one as soon as, as soon as I get an opportunity to. Absolutely, absolutely. I I I don't, I don't know what else to say about it. I mean, you can hear by the just the way I'm stumbling over words. It's just, I I can't wait, and I hope it lives up to everything because it just. It looks so cool. I like the passion, Chad. I like the passion. That's right. Well, you just wait for my number one. And speaking of number ones. Speaking of number ones. In a way, it's going to be disappointing because this movie, not not as soon as the Lego movie, but this movie will be out real soon anyway, especially depending on when this episode actually goes up. I mean, it's going to be, could be really close. Um, my first and most anticipated movie of the year is Captain America, the winter soldier, which also was on Chad's list. Uh, I really loved the first Captain America movie. It was one of my, if it's not my, probably other than certainly the Avengers probably is my favorite Marvel cinematic universe movie at, at this point, but right up there, maybe ahead of Iron Man one It's close. It's close. It's Captain America. I thought they did a really good job in capturing the essence of who the character was. Chris Evans was really, really good in it. Chris Evans is actually really good in most things. We, we just for, – for so long in so many movies, you're just so used to him playing kind of like the Johnny Storm character, just you know, and being cocky and funny and because most – a lot of the comedies that he's in, he plays that – that's that aspect of his personality. But he's also been – in serious roles, he's been good, so it's, it didn't surprise me that not that in a way he was a perfect Johnny Storm, but he also was a perfect Steve Rogers. Just like in a way, he would have been a perfect Hal Jordan too, if he, he could have very well played that character. He was perfect for the role. I think Cap is, other than, and we haven't gotten this character in the movie universe yet, but. But in the comic book universe, other than maybe the Vision, which is kind of ironic too, since he's not really alive, that Captain America is the heart and soul of the Avengers, with you know the possible exception of the Vision kind of being right up there with him. So they did a really good job at establishing who he was, what made him special, and not because it came out of a bottle, like Tony Stark said. 
they did a really good job. I thought they did a good job capturing the essence of the uniform back in the world in World War Two, the classic uniform, much better than the Avengers version. That uniform, I hated that version for many many reasons. So, so I was always going to be looking forward to the sequel. When when you found out that it was going to they were going to be dealing with the Winter Soldier storyline, that just made it even better. When you found out that they were going to have introduced the Falcon in this. Which is actually really perfect, considering that now you're going to have St- Steve Rogers basically having his a real partner for the first time since Bucky. And then, what of course, what threat do they have to deal with? They have to deal with the Winter Soldier. I like the fact that Scarlett Johansson is Black Widow is going to have a major role in this movie. Even the uniform, the first uniform he wears in this movie, which is the shield, ver- you know, the shield version of his uniform. I like it. I like some of the, the plot points about you know. I don't, you know, the trailer kind of gives a lot away, so it's not really that much of a spoiler to say that he'll be wearing more than one uniform in the movie. But how they get there from what reading reading about it, how he ends up getting to that point and why, I find it interesting. And I'm look, I, I mean, I love Captain America. His his uh, Chris Evans cameo in Thor was was one of the highlights of Dark in Dark World. Was one of the highlights of the movie. I mean, I knew it was there from reading it online, but just when it popped up, it was just so funny. That I'm just so I really look forward to Cap. I like I like the fact that that this is probably in a way this is going to be the last thing we see that sets the stage for the Avengers for next year. At least the sequel. So without a doubt, Captain America: The Winter Soldier is the movie that I most want to see this year, and the one. And I don't think I honestly I don't I don't even think it's close right now. Yeah, it was on my list too. I think it was like number four, something like that. Um, it, it, it looks good. Um, uh, my, my, the reason I want to see it, uh, and you didn't mention this, but I want to see it for the man out of time co- aspect, not so much, you know, uh, you know, a guy from the forties in this modern world, but in particular, this guy from the forties in the modern world, it's this guy who's got this kind of levity, kind of naivety kind of innocence to him in a way uh this old school morality being thrown into the shield world where it's covert ops and cover up and you know uh, danger and you know wandering into the morally gray area you know that that kind of a thing i'm interested in that i'm interested in watching this you know embodiment of a of a of a bygone simpler time get thrown into this you know he, he you know the, the the inner conflict you know i want to serve my country but look what my country is doing kind of a thing you know what i mean yes and the fact that i think they'll they can they will can they play upon the idea of you that you don't know you don't know who to trust yeah that he doesn't really know who to trust and and the fact that it's things are Things are simply put; they're not as black and white as they were for him. You know, back when back when he was in World War II and in in his quote unquote prime or his first first prime, it was pretty clear. There wasn't much ambiguity about who you know what who was good, who was bad, and it wasn't. And what you get even from the trailers is that you get that there's a lot of gray area. Yeah. And again, and how, and I think that all factors into where he start, where he is when the movie begins, and where he is when it ends. I think that is a that is a major plot point of 
of him adjusting. Again, like you said, the man at a time concept. You got the first hint. You know, you kind of got the first hint of it in the Avengers. This kind of this kind of picks up on it. I think a lot of the relationship he has with uh, Natasha in this movie is again about that idea that he's kind of he's struggling to, you know, he's struggling to get a you know no pun intended William Shatner wise but to get a life that he's struggling to get a life you know in our time as opposed to just being Captain America and she's encouraging him to do that and you know you should you should do this you can get a girlfriend I'm sure this person would go out with you you should you know you can you know you don't need to pretty much just lock yourself away and that he so he's kind of exactly what you said he's struggling to fit in in the modern times while still keeping his the moral center that he had which is so critical you know to the to the character yeah so yeah and i want to i mean i want to see him go through all of this moral gray this this craziness and still come out cap you know what i mean i want to i want to see i want to see how that happens uh i mean in a lot of ways winter soldier looks like a dark movie and i don't mean just visually i just mean it looks emotionally and like action wise, it looks like an intense, deadly, dark movie. So I want to I want to see how they throw one of their their lighter hearted, their 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 good their good uh, moral sin. You know all that. Uh, I want to see how they sh- out of all their characters, Iron Man, Thor, you know Hulk, all of this. Out of all the characters that they have established thus far, to throw into a dark movie like this. Like an emotionally dark movie, Cap is like that brightest light. You know what I mean? So to th- yes. so to throw him into this dark world, you know, for lack of a better word. Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking that too. Like no pun intended. <laughs> Captain America: The Dark World. Uh, <laughs> Thou stealest my movie. <laughs> but uh, yeah, to, I, I want to see. I want to see that that clash of idea ideology. I want and I want to see Cap come out. Still, still cap at the end of it. I want to see how that happens, and also see how it tra- how that the events in this movie will transition to what his role will be in the second Avengers. Yeah, exactly. Having gone through because he going from point A to point B, because obviously his relationship with Shield and everything is going to be different as this movie plays out, mm-hmm. and it's also going to end. He is. I mean, Thor is a noble character, but to me, you know, Cap is. No, you know, Cap is the noble character. Yeah, you know, it's hard to be more noble than Captain America. I mean, Cap's the only one like who I, could pick up Thor's hammer. Yeah, and that's and it's and it's really cool that you said that because that's exactly literally that's exactly what I was going to say next. That I hope if it doesn't happen in the second Avengers, it'll at least happen by the third. That there'll be a, some point when he does pick up Thor's hammer and maybe it surprises that you know the crap out of everybody, including Thor. But the fact that he that yes, he's absolutely that. That if push came to shove, he absolutely is worthy enough to pick up Thor's hammer. He's that noble. Yeah. So and I and I hope that we get I hope that we get to see that at least in one of the, the next two Avengers sequels. Yeah. But it's the fact that he's so noble, and seeing him struggle with this, and plus obviously you know with the Winter Soldier and everything related to Bucky, there's going to be such a conflict there, personal wise. It's it's even more of a gray area because he's got to you know who he you know his friend is being used. You know, basically, he's being he's being used, and he's got to not only figure out who's doing it, he's got to stop his friend too, and he's got and so it's, the, it's that it's the conflict, and now I, I just really think that movie looks good, and I think you know if they come even close, even as a little, even like seventy five percent as close to, to capturing the real feel, like you know, I think they got of Cap in the first movie, 
I think that's going to be it's going to be tremendous, and I, I'm just hoping I'm not raising my raising the bar too high based on my expectations, but I really want to see that movie. Yeah. Um, and, and my number one, probably have no surprise to listeners of the Lantern Cast. You probably heard me go about the on about this before. Godzilla, 2014, the Godzilla 2014 movie. Um, I don't know if it's called Godzilla 2014, but since there have been other movies simply titled Godzilla. Uh, I, th- I think that's kind of how it's being referred to on the internet, is the Godzilla 2014 movie. Um, for those of you who haven't heard before, my dad made it a point when I was growing up to go to Blockbuster. For those of you who are too young, Blockbuster was a place where you rented movies. <laughs> uh, 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 that was good. <laughs> if you were born like a month ago, don't listen to this podcast. Um, <laughs> so, or your parents. So, uh, but my dad would go and rent the Godzilla movies one by one, and we'd watch them. Um, now I don't remember if they were if it was like just a certain time in my childhood, like where he did it, we you know, weeks in a row until we finished them all. Or if it was just, you know, enough, you know, just frequently enough, you know, maybe once a month or something like that, that I just remembered it. But I remember I've seen every single Godzilla movie and I saw him with my dad. Um, And he made it a point to, you know, I watched him with it. I remember my dad had a, um, you know, just like everybody's dad, he had a turntable. He had, you know, a vinyl album of Blue Oyster Cult. Uh, and one of my favorite songs by Blue Oyster Cult is "Go Go Godzilla," uh, <laughs> and I, I love it. And, and you know that we almost wore the needle out as kids, you know, because I wanted to hear "Go Go Godzilla," um, you know, and, and that was one of the songs I he he had a bunch of vinyls, uh, a bunch of forty fives, and I think what's the other one, seventy five. I think he he had he had a bu- he had a bunch of vinyls, but. That Blue Oyster Cold album, I wanted to hear that one song all the time. So that that record, that one, that one song, has got to be so worn out. <laughs> um, and uh, maybe James can play it for us at the end of the episode because it's just such a it's a, it's such a cool song, uh, and it really brings me back. But Godzilla, man, I love Godzilla. Um, I love old movies. Uh, as a matter of fact, just today I saw. Um, um, Attack of the 50-Foot Woman for the first time. I've been wanting to see that for a long time just because I thought it looked ridiculous. I remember hearing about it the first time or quote-unquote seeing it, seeing about it the first time because it was a there was a – in Smallville, the TV show, uh, Lana, when she was living above the, the Talon, had a poster for Attack of the 50-Foot Woman on her on one of her walls like in the kitchen or something like that. And I remember looking at that and going, what the heck is that? That looks like an awesome old movie. Uh, and I've wanted to see it ever since. So I saw that for the first time today. A few days ago, I saw Forbidden Planet for the first time. I love old sci-fi movies. Um, and that, 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 that love stems all from Godzilla. I love Godzilla. It, I, as a kid, I wanted to be a paleontologist all the way up until I was like ninth grade. Godzilla is a big dinosaur. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's an, yes. it's, it's an old B-movie. It's old sci-fi and dinosaurs, and it's got good memories with my dad, and it's got all this stuff attached to it that Godzilla is just the coolest thing to me. Um, and just seeing him in a modern era, I, I can't help but be excited. I, if, if, they, if they screw it up, uh, I'll be pissed. 
But honestly, that that Matthew Broderick Godzilla movie is a guilty pleasure of mine. Do I really, really enjoy it? Not really. Do I like the way Godzilla looks? Not really. But I still get to see a big dinosaur roaming through New York City, knocking down buildings and, you know, just stepping over people and towering over skyscrapers. He he looks different. He looks a way I don't like him to look. The story's kind of jacked up, but it's still a big dinosaur in the middle in the middle of New York City, bigger than some freaking buildings. <laughs> and he was and he was still the best written and most sympathetic character in that movie. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> he didn't look like Godzilla, but if if it wasn't if he wasn't supposed to be Godzilla, you would have thought he looked pretty cool. <laughs> and, and, and who and who among us still, even if you sh- you hate that movie, even if you hate that movie, when he gets caught up in the suspension wires and they start blowing him to hell, when he starts yelling and you know whining and everything, and he his heart slowly stops, you felt a little bit of sympathy for this dino- this this big dinosaur, you know this 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 this. Poor creature just dying on the Brooklyn Bridge. The last of his kind until the spo- the, the, the reveal at the end that there's still an egg <laughs> that they'll never come back to, thank God. <laughs> and plus they ripped I mean plus they ripped off the ending I mean from King Kong, or at least the remake of King Kong with the heartbeat thing. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, I mean that movie was from for the the actual Godzilla parts are watchable. And Matthew Broderick's character, I guess, is somewhat likable. Everybody else, you just want to hit with a shovel. Yeah. I mean, his his girlfriend was a his girlfriend was you know she was a user, and I didn't like Hank Azaria much. And I always thought it was kind of stupid though when they were when the submarines were shooting the torpedoes at him, they didn't get out of the way at the end. I kind of thought that was dumb. When I first saw the movie, I kind of figured he, he was just about to hit him and he was going to jump out of the water, you know? Yeah, I, 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 and you've heard me say this before. I didn't like the fact that Godzilla was tunneling under the city and, like, crawling like a lizard. And I didn't like the fact that he was swimming, you know? But they did. But to be fair, they didn't make him really a lizard in that Yeah, movie. I know. He was I know. I agree with you. Again, he's not Godzilla-like in how he was acting. But based on the background that they're giving him, it made a little... I made a little more sense. Yeah, the, one of the, one of the cool visuals of Godzilla, all the old Godzilla movies, like when he's in the ocean, he's not swimming; he's on the the floor of the ocean, just walking. Yep. And it just looks cool. Like it, it, it does it look weird? Yeah, sure. <laughs> this is there's something walking under the ocean and not swimming, where everything else in the ocean swims. But this one, but it just looks intimidating. Just this one thing at the bottom of the ocean, like the like crushing depths massive creature just walking like i'm going this way i don't give a shit what's in my way <laughs> you know it's it, it's either getting out of my way or i'm knocking it down <laughs> i just thought that was always so cool and, and plus it was kind of like a it was kind of like a wrestler after you after you won the match it's kind of like he's just walk, walk, walk walking up the ramp <laughs> it's like oh he's he just kicked somebody else's ass. Now he's walking away in the water again. Bye, Godzilla! <laughs> <laughs> and then Steel cage match. And it was even cool when he started doing ridiculous stuff, like when he used his fire breath to like curl up in a ball and fly across the sky. Oh, God. Godzilla versus Megalon. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that's cool. I saw it in the drive-in. 
I mean, that's that's just I love that stuff. I, that that movie that that's one of a that movie is a guilty pleasure for me because, like I said, I was young. I saw it in the drive-in, and just the fact that him and Jet Jaguar basically you have these giant you have you having this giant monster tag team match literally. It's like it's like hold, hold, no one's looking. Hold them, hold hold them so we can double team them. It's like I'll tag you in. It's like uh, but I used to watch in a much more simpler time before there were before you there were networks on every single local channel on your TV. Back here when I was growing up on Thanksgiving weekend all the time. On Thursday, Thanksgiving Day, they would have all King Kong movies. So they would have, I think they would always start with Mighty Joe Young, they would do King Kong, and they would do Son of Kong. And the Friday after Thanksgiving, they would do all Godzilla movies. And sometimes it would vary, but they almost always had Godzilla versus the Smog Monster. I think they always had... Um, King, King oh, Hydra? Yeah, they tended to have one mecha or or one mecha Godzilla, and I'm trying to really think, but the Smog Monster was the one that was one of the ones I always remembered that they put in Mothra. Yeah, it might Mothra. have been Mothra. Godzilla they might have done the Mothra, Mothra one yeah. fairly fairly often, but that was part of my childhood growing up and seeing that. It was a tr- it was it was a tradition. It was like so. I have I am looking forward to to Godzilla. I thought. I mean, the trailer didn't show. I mean, literally, it didn't show much, which was the point. Mm-hmm. But what you saw, the monster looked pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that they're having, you know, it's supposed to, so it's supposed to be a real de- version of Godzilla attacking New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to it. I, it. It was perilously close to making my top five. The main reason I think I didn't really tr- try to force it in because I knew you were going to have it in there. Yeah. I thought you'd have it number one. I wasn't sure if it'd be number one, but I knew you'd have it in the top five. Yeah, he, so he he's got he's definitely got some special memories for me. Um, I know that they just came out with that 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 recent trailer that shows like those the the military people like skydiving and all that stuff yes that's the one i meant yeah uh the other trailer is my favorite that's got oppenheimer in the background oh yes um it's it's cool i mean there's there's just like for those of you who haven't seen it i don't know if it's still online i'm sure it is by now uh and not been taken down but when it came out it was taken down a lot and i found it on pirate bay and downloaded it and it's on my I'm so looking forward to this movie. Okay, I have a I have a one terabyte external hard drive, and on that external hard drive, I have my downloaded movies and TV show episodes, as well as all my uh, my home videos, like uh, MP4s and stuff of you know family vacations and things like that. And I have it split up like that. There's only one trailer on that entire thing. I made it a point to download this trailer of Godzilla, and it's on the main page. Like you've got your folder for movies, your folder for TV shows, your folder for home movies, and then randomly Godzilla trailer. <laughs> Just not even in a folder. It's right there on the main page. And so it's it's the sound of these footsteps, giant footsteps obviously for Godzilla. And every footstep, there's a flash of destruction. Dead bodies, a hole in the side of a building. Uh, at one point, uh, I think... I think there are other monsters in this movie besides Godzilla because it shows the corpse of this crazy-looking monster that looks like like it has multiple feet um, or arms or something like that, um, and a bunch of different things. And it has Oppenheimer in the background talking about various things, and he's quoting uh, Hindu scripture and stuff like that. And then it cuts to black. At the point where Oppenheimer says, now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. And then it fades back in 
to the smoke and this kind of like um, creepy uh, choral sound. And by choral, I mean like a choir. This kind of like huh, like this ah uh, kind of sound. As in the smoke, you see this foot move, and then Godzilla kind of turns around, and you know you see the side profile of him, and he just lets out this roar, and then it fades to black. And I love that trailer more than the one that came after it, where we saw more of the movie. Like just this tease of Godzilla is just so cool. <laughs> I didn't I didn't need to see a full picture shot of him. I just saw the outline of his face through the smoke as he roared. And I was like, yes, yes. And to pair it up with Oppenheimer, perfect. You know what I mean? And, uh, right. Oh, uh, just uh, so cool. I can't, the, I, the words cannot express how, how excited I am to see this movie when it comes out. Um, yeah, so, yeah, definitely. Um, you, you have some alternatives, uh, some movies you're interested in that we, that we didn't mention? Yeah, briefly, I'll throw some out. Um, I put in Sin City. I put the second Sin City, which I think you had some interest in, too. I don't know if I have a lot of faith in it. Uh, it's been so, so long since the first one came out. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, I'm somewhat curious to see what they will do with it and how, how it compares to the first, since the first certainly visually was so beautiful. I put I put the third Hobbit movie because, like I mentioned, and now I'm, I am curious to see how they wrap it up. I not I was never I'm not a big Tolkien fan. Um, I saw all Lord of the Rings movies. I like them more now. I saw both Hobbit movies, so I am looking forward to this. We mentioned Noah, Edge of Tomorrow, which is the Tom Cruise Emily Blunt movie. That kind of looks intriguing to me, which again relates to, I believe, time travel and the future war and everything and going back to try to basically – and in a way, it kind of reminds me of the doomsday concept that you basically – that how they – in the original universe, how doomsday was created just by creating him and having – and sending him out there to be destroyed and taking what was left and recreating him again to eventually he was able to overcome the things that were killing him just based on evolution and, and adapting. I put nonstop, which is otherwise known as Taken on a Plane with Liam Neeson. That'll be coming out soon as the air marshal while the plane is kind of being hijacked. But yet people are being led to believe that he is the one doing the hijacking when he's not. And that's those are the re- those are the ones I put down. And I actually put down Horrible Bosses, too, actually, since I, the first one was kind of a surprise to me how funny that was. Um, I don't know if I have a lot of faith that the second one will be will be as good, but. I thought I put I put that one down. So what else do you have on your interest list? Uh, I've got the Hobbit on there too. There and back again. Um, I re- the reason I put it as something I'm interested in and not necessarily on my top five list is because I still haven't seen the second one, um, and that kind of surprised me. Like it's not it's not so much that I oh I haven't seen the second one yet. It was just like hmm. I guess I just wasn't that excited for it. Um, which is odd because it's called the Desolation of Smog, and I was like, one of the one of the main things I was excited about in the first movie. I I love dragons. I, I I'm a big fan of mythology and everything. Something about dragons just makes me crazy. Like a lot of people don't like this movie, but Reign of Fire, I love that movie, just because there are dragons in it, and they look awesome. So Desolation of Smog, I wanted to see, because it's been forever since a movie had an awesome-looking dragon in it, you know what I mean? 
One of the things yes. one of the things I like about Game of Thrones, I can't wait till those dragons are grown up and start tearing the ever loving <laughs> shit out of everybody in Westeros. Uh, but anyways, but there's a dragon in Desolation of Smog. And I'm this excited about dragons and yet I still haven't seen it. So there must be something about the Hobbit that just doesn't really grab me that much. Um, but it, I'm definitely interested in seeing it at some point. Um, speaking of dragons, How to Train Your Dragon 2 is coming out, and I enjoyed the first one. Uh, it's not one of my favorite movies, but I, you know, every now and then when I was short on money, I'd go and sell some various DVDs, and somehow How to Train Your Dragon keeps making the cut of stuff I'm going to keep. Um, I enjoy that movie. Uh, so I, I'm going to definitely keep it uh and uh i want to see i'm curious to see how number two ends up i'm a big craig ferguson fan um uh, and uh he's he's uh got a voice role in in that movie as well as the first one um so that's you know part of the drive to see it as i mentioned before left behind i read all those books as a kid uh or uh you know a, a young man or whatever in my teens um so i'm interested to see that especially now that it's it's big budget and not the use of kirk cameron right uh, yes and now in, in, the, ori- in the in the original yeah yes. and, and now it's not like a low budget kirk cameron movie but this is actually like a, a a blockbuster a hollywood a hollywood type movie uh, i'm definitely interested to see how that plays out uh this movie's already out uh but i i am interested in seeing it still i frankenstein uh, I want to see how that how that works. Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I I've heard good things. I've heard bad things, but I, I'm still interested in seeing it. Uh, and then this other one uh, that I just learned about when this epic trailer hit online the other day, Maleficent, um, which is the uh, Sleeping Beauty movie, the live action Sleeping Beauty movie that Disney's doing, uh, that focuses on the the evil queen the 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 bad the bad person of uh the the villain of uh sleeping beauty which is maleficent uh angelina jolie is playing that 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 character and there's this trailer that came out and i was going until i until i was thinking uh of gogo's godzilla i was gonna say james should play this but i for now i think you guys should just go find the maleficent trailer um and it's uh, Lana Del Rey, I think, is the singer doing a version of the, the the title song from Sleeping Beauty, Once Upon a Dream, and it plays over this Maleficent trailer, and it's just haunting. It's just this super, super uh, kind of emotional, haunting, creepy but beautiful kind of version of this song, and it goes perfectly with the trailer. Um, Angelina Jolie, just the way she looks in this costume, it just looks so cool. I, I don't know. Um, they're they're on this kick. Disney is of of kind of show, showing you the villain side of things, which kind of makes me excited for stuff like Venom and stuff like you know. If if Disney is doing Maleficent, maybe other other places, other uh, other. Uh, other properties and other other things can start doing the villain side of things, which would be cool. It, we could, it could open up stuff like for a Venom movie. And even though he's a hero, Gambit is kind of in, in some ways can be perceived as a villain in, in some ways. Uh, maybe a thief, but not really a villain. Um, kind of show the darker side and Maleficent I don't know, it just looks cool. And 
if you can't if you haven't seen it, just go watch the Maleficent Once Upon a Dream uh trailer. It just the music so cool. Um and that's 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 the last of uh of the movies I'm I'm particularly interested in. And I already mentioned the stuff I'm not looking forward to but going to see anyways. I saw X I said X-Men Days of Future Past and I said uh Transformers Edge of Extinction. The other thing on that list, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <sighs> Megan, I almost put I almost put that on my list too. By the way, things not to see, not things that I wanted to see. Megan Fox is April O'Neil, Michael Bay, CGI Turtles, uh, um, the way they look, almost more like monsters, um, particularly Wrath, but. It's TMNT. Like, Legos are my top toy as a kid. If I'm going to throw out top cartoons, it's a three-way tie. But TMNT's in there. The other two, for just for getting it out there, Underdog is one of my favorites. Uh, and for those who remember, and very, very few people do remember this, but there was a cartoon out in the 80s called Denver the Last Dinosaur. That was one of my favorites as a kid. So three-way tie between Denver Underdog and TMNT. But I've got the original 10 seasons of the TMNT cartoon series in a box set that's the – it's the turtle van. Jim keeps saying it's the party wagon, and I know it says it online, but if you watch the first few episodes, the first season of TMNT – they call it multiple times the turtle van, so that's what I call it. So I got all t- 10 seasons on DVD in a turtle van box set, and I love it. And TMNT, I had the figures, I had the van. Um, I remember that I had a splinter figure that came in ooh, like a, like an egg. You know those eggs that the, those plastic yes, I eggs. Remember that. The, yeah. the, well, they had eggs at the time that had ooze inside of it, and there was a splinter figure I had in there. And I remember at the time there were these transformer turtles where you could open the shell and flip the head and stuff, and they could be baby turtles, and then you could transform them into the you know the the mutated versions of themselves as ninja turtles. I had all of those. I you know I I love TMNT. Um, I saw all three live-action movies. I have the animated movie, which I think was pretty good. Um, did you see that? No, actually, I didn't. Uh, it's just called TMNT. Uh, that, that's actually pretty good. Um, I enjoyed it. Um, I, I've seen the Back to the Sewers uh, series. I've seen a very little bit of the new series that's supposedly out right now, I think. I don't know if it's currently airing or just came out last year or whatever it was. But I, I love regardless. I love my love for TMNT knows no limits. <laughs> but it, my, Michael Bay and Megan Fox may push those freaking limits. <laughs> but it, yeah, that's, that's not a great uh, there, r- resume there <laughs> to make you interested. There, there are a billion there are a billion red flags going up right now for me in, in TMNT, but I'm still powering through and going, I'm seeing it anyways, <laughs> because that's how deep my love for TMNT goes. And if they, if this whole movie goes to hell in a handbasket, 
I still have my box set. <laughs> so you still have your memories, no matter what, Chad. No one can take that away from you. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So that's that's that that's the the rest of my uh, other stuff on my list. The only thing left on my list, I, I didn't make a full list of things not to look forward to, <laughs> but but the three pounds of monkey crap list, other than Transformers, uh, I I just stuff that popped into my head looking at the release schedule. Uh, plus, I saw the trailer for this. Vampire Academy, and I also put Slash Divergent, because they both look like nothing to me. <laughs> I'm kind of young adult, movied out. I mean, I saw... I did see Mortal Instruments. We saw City of Bones. Liz and I saw that. We also saw Beautiful Creatures, which I really only wanted to see because Emmy Rossum was in it, and I love Emmy Rossum. Neither one of those movies was, was great. I think... I think the whole young adult thing is kind of kind of on its way down. I think there has to be a really has to be a good property for it to be a hit. So I'm not sure if either one of these things is going to be that. And I certainly don't have any desire to see, to see either one. And I threw in that at the museum three because I never wanted to see the second one, but I did. And, and I didn't like it. And I have no great desire to, to see it, see the third one. It seems like an unnecessary sequel at some point. Probably I would see it. I mean, if somebody wants to go see it, I will go see it. But it's certainly nothing I'm looking forward to seeing. I thought about actually on the must, uh, not the must see, but the interest, interested to see list to put How to Train Your Dragon. For some reason, I'm, I'm kind of curious to see how that movie will do, especially because now that with the TV show, that you would think the TV show ha- has helped build the base of interest for a sequel to the movie, which ironically, because of that, for me, it's kind of lessened the sequel the interest to see the sequel i'm not sure if it's going to be one of those things where you don't really need to have watched the tv show at all which i'm going to assume was it was the you know the point maybe throw in a little homage little homages or throw some bones to, to the kids who have been watching the show for so long but basically make the the events and the plot kind of just fo- more as a follow-up to the movie than the show but I, for some reason, I, I, re- I liked the first movie. I liked the first movie because it was from partially because it was from the creators of Lilo and Stitch, and and <laughs> and let and let's be honest, the main the our our main dragon there looks looks just like Stitch. That's kind of like how he was designed. <laughs> I don't think it was a coincidence. So, um, but I have no great desire to see the sequel. I really don't. I don't know. I can't tell you why. But I just don't. But other than that, I think that I think that covers our list. <laughs> yeah, um, I just wanted to throw this out there. Um, top two favorite movies of all time. Just to, just uh, you don't even have to explain it. Top two of all time. I would have to say, without giving it too much thought, I would say Jaws and The Godfather. Okay, minor minor. A little further apart, um, definitely further apart. Um, well, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go with the more recent one as uh, as one of them. Stranger Than Fiction is is a Will Ferrell movie. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Yes, I know. I remember. I remember the, the trailers. I never saw it, but I remember the trailers for it. Stra- Stranger Than Fiction. You have to watch it a few times, or maybe just once. It's really up to you, but. And every time I watch it, I love it more and more and more. Stranger Than Fiction is one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, and the other one, uh, I, I mentioned I was a fan of classic movies. This isn't classic sci-fi, but it's classic detective, The Maltese Falcon. 
Nice. I love that movie. Uh, the Maltese Falcon is oh god, it's so cool. If you've never seen it, go watch the Maltese Falcon. Humphrey Bogart uh, and I believe it's Mary Astor. Oh god, it's such a good movie. Uh, definitely one of my favorite movies of all time. I just thought I'd throw that. I thought we should, we would do just top two to you know let people know what our what our where we're coming from when we pick when we pick good movies. That's cool because we one of one of the ideas we had originally talked about. No, actually, the mo- we talked about favorite superhero movies I think of all time, mm-hmm. which which we'll probably will do at some point. But but I think we may. I don't know if we ever. I know it was in my head. I forget if we discussed it. The idea of maybe doing our you know, favorite movies of all time in general terms. So obviously, you know, we could still do that, even though we've given people <laughs> we've given a teaser trailer to that. But it was hard for me. I mean, Empire Strikes Back is high on my list, but based on move based on overall movies, especially as time goes by, I think uh, movies that I can sit down and watch over and over again. While Empire is still there, it's hard for me not to watch Jaws when it's on. Um, Godfather depends how edited it is, whether I can just watch it, you know, just if it's on like uh, TNT or AMC or some or something. But I really love the I, I really love the original Godfather and and Jaws. So those those probably. So if we ever do a top five or top ten list of all time, I'll probably have to. I'll probably need a, we'll need a little more prep time, you know, for mm-hmm. both of us. I think just because we want to make sure we're not kind of shortchanging something. This was relatively easy to put together our list because it was just an idea. We just once we agreed on the concept, it was just more or less making sure we we realized everything that was coming out this year and just going through. So yeah, I think it's funny that we've each uh, of our top two favorite movies of all time. We've each seen one that the others listed, and each not you, you haven't seen uh, Stranger Than Fiction. I've never seen The Godfather. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that uh, that movie is yeah. It, just from a, the way it was structured, because I remember having in one of one of the classes, we, it was a it was a film class, and one of the thing, I, and I wrote a paper on The Godfather, and, and just based on breaking it apart technically, based on that, which is what you were supposed to do, for, you know, as that for that assignment but it was just just the interesting you know it's a very interesting movie much like citizen kane it's a very interesting movie the way it was the way it was structured and designed to get the point across and the, the director's vision so there but it's a really good i would that's another one you should you def you definitely should see it i know a lot of people like godfather 2 more than godfather 1 but godfather 2 didn't have Marlon brando and his and his presence in that in that role was very very was so important, I think, to the whole uh, mythos of that of the Godfather and that family as it went on. That that was the only movie that really had him, in, Marlon Brando, as that character. I mean, obviously, Robert De Niro played a younger version of that character in the sequel, but it still wasn't the same thing. So, yep. All right. Well, so so those so that that was that was Mark's idea for a topic. So if it sucks, blame him. <laughs> No, it was it was awesome. Well, even if the I thought it was good, but even if the episode sucked, the to, the concept could still have been good. We just could have executed it poorly. <laughs> uh, Which I'll take I'll still take the blame for it, but still <laughs> the idea I think was sound. <laughs> awesome. So um, uh, next episode will be my topic. As of right now, I still haven't decided. Um, I'll I'll figure it out. Um, but uh, yeah, so you want to close this out, Mark? I will do my best. If, if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at lanterncast at gmail.com. Lanterncast at gmail.com. Uh, 
You can visit our website, lanterncast.com, which is slowly but surely being resurrected. Again, hopefully by the time this comes on, uh, it'll be back up to snuff. You go on our website, you can access our forums, besides checking out galleries and other things, and eventually all oh, that will be true again. <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter. Use hashtag GLCast. Like us on Facebook. Facebook also supports hashtags now, so the same GL hashtag GLCast is a, you can f- help uh, you can find us there using that hashtag as well. We are on iTunes and Stitcher, and if you like us on iTunes, please leave a positive review. Last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, call us at seven zero eight Lantern, and let us know what you think. Awesome. All right, guys. Uh, yeah, that's it, and uh, we'll see you next time. And I promise, after our next uh, random random topic episode, we'll be back to the reviews. But you try doing six episodes of reviews in a row and see if you still got the steam for one more. <laughs> and once we start going back into them, hopefully, in a relatively short fashion, we'll be able to catch up. Yeah. And in real time. Probably, hopefully, in like a month's time, we'll at least be pretty much up up to the point where if we want to do all of the individual issues that came out that month again, like the reviews used to be, we'll, we'll at least be in a position to be able to do that. So that's our goal anyway, to get caught up. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right, guys. Uh, we'll see you later. Night. Good night, everybody. <laughs>